The views and opinions expressed on Red Planet are those of the individual and do not necessarily reflect those of Red Planet nor any affiliated or related entities. This podcast is provided for educational purposes only. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Red Planet. This week, we're having a conversation about pinkwashing, or the act of organizations and brands exploiting queer culture to make profit or to make themselves appear supportive while actually doing little to help queer people. Also, film studios are being incredibly petty and evil towards striking workers, Grinder employees are looking to start a union of their own, and we take a look at recent anti-police riots in France. But first, Christopher Nolan might be a bad director. And, you know... I just I just despise the way that Nolan works. I hate his movies. I just don't think he really knows what he's trying to do most of the time. And I think it's, uh, you know, he's very much style over substance, but the style is lacking as well. Um, you know, Tenet and Inception, you know, I think he thought he was saying something really smart. Ew, he did Inception? Funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think even in those movies, I don't really think that. I don't really know what they say. It's it is one of those things where I remember watching like the Dark Knight movies and initially, you know, like when I was younger, they were being like, "Oh yeah, these are cool," whatever, and then rewatching them and being like, "These are fucking horrific," you know, like it's like this. It's like the only way we can win is with you know like authoritarian law and fucking you know like mass surveillance and like we must like you know like we use the t- these like horrific tools but we we we're the good guys so it's okay you know and it's yeah. kind of like oh um so yeah ideologically i always um kind of you know like i find some of his stuff i mean it's like liberal kind of shit or whatever because yeah. um it's like, yeah, in line with what I would say would be like the law and order lib kind of perspective with a lot yeah. of shit. So I am interested right. to see what the Oppenheimer kind of, mm-hmm. you know, the, um, where that sits ideologically. But just in general, I would just think Christopher Nolan is like kind of one of those, um, well, I don't know. So I haven't seen as many of his movies as I probably should before like making a real hot statement like this. But I always feel like he is one of those kind of like, um, like dumb guy, smart guy, you know, like, mm, <laughs> like the Elon Musk of directors, kind of, it, it, yeah, or like more like a, a Jordan Peterson or something like that. You know? <laughs> but I don't know. Like, I, I, I probably haven't watched enough of his movies to like come out with a take that hot. No, no, you have for sure. So I went out with a guy the other day, and he was cool and based. Um, but he mentioned we were talking about Oppenheimer, and he's like, "Yeah, no, I like Christopher Nolan," and I was just like. So I, there's the question that I tend to ask people before I go on a date with them because I'm doing a lot of online dating and it's nightmarish. And one of those questions is like, what do you think of Aaron Sorkin? Which is like an obvious one. Like if you like Aaron Sorkin, if you have any respect for Aaron Sorkin in any way, shape or form, then then it's not going to happen, right? That is like such a you <laughs> question as well. <laughs> I'm wondering if I should add Christopher Nolan to that yeah. as well. And then what do you think of Christopher Nolan? It's not as like, I don't know. It's, it's not yeah. as as obviously horrible like Aaron Sorkin, but oh, you can ask them. You can ask them if um, if they think that Malcolm X is a crime movie. You can ask them that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a wait. Good, who that's who would say one. such a thing? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Someone who's seen everything and done everywhere all at once. Yeah. Anyway, I um, yeah. 
no, I feel like I often I feel like some of Christopher Nolan's movies are like like Inception. I was like, I like this, but then it's the stuff I like about it is also just in Paprika, the um, you know, like that yes, movie. This like, is it. This is yeah. yeah, Paprika is a great film. I think that's that's the thing. Like you gotta have if you do a movie like Inception, you gotta have characters like Paprika. So just mm. have Paprika because th- that's the thing that makes Paprika. It's the characters, right? The characters in, in Inception are like I don't even remember what any of them look like. I don't even remember what, what any of the fears or desires were or anything like that. Um, I couldn't finish Inception. Someone mentioned the prestige in the chat. And I remember really liking that, but I've only seen it the once when I was like, I don't know, I would have been quite young when that came out. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably not that young, but like. I think all these movies, what they all have in common is they're supposed to make the viewer go, oh my God, whoever put this together is really deep. Yeah. It's yeah. really a deep, this is a deep, <laughs> Deep, deeper than my mind could ever be. I am, yeah. you know. It's the guy that did like, um, you know, did the beach that makes you old and stuff like that. Oh, like, M Night Sh- Shyamalan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah. in a couple of years it's going to be like the same thing where it's like, you know, people will see Christopher Nolan movies and they'll have like, you know, like how for him it's like everyone's like, oh, there's like a twist. Like, what's the twist or whatever? Like, there's going to be something for Christopher Nolan. It's going to be like Christopher Nolan. It's you know, it's going to be how much can he make this movie about absolutely nothing nothing at all how much movie how much movie can he make without having any kind of message uh or anything like that delivered Uh, it's red planet look at this we're in the show hello everyone uh bit of a movie everyone's talking about the movies and so we thought we'd Mm. talk about movies a little bit yeah yeah. um none of us are excited for oppenheimer but we're all excited for barbie Um, (laughs) oh yeah that's that uh we're gonna kick off oh sorry tim I was going to say, I was just saying before the stream started that I, instead of watching either of the Barbenheimers, I watched the new Netflix movie, They Clone Tyrone, and it was a lot of fun. So I recommend if neither of those movies sound like interesting to you, then watch that instead, because it was, it was a great time. Yeah, that one sounds really good. Really, really cool. Um, and yeah, we're going to kick off the show in the same way that we normally do by asking our hosts what the most base thing they did this week is. Kara, what's the most base thing you did this week? Uh, this week, I'm, I'm going to, since we haven't had a show for a few weeks, I'm going to pull from the most base thing I did a couple weeks ago, which is Get the it. fundraiser that uh, I was talking about a bunch. We were trying to raise one, or sorry, excuse me, $10,000 in one day for our friend Rael to be able to uh, start his life and to get out of a red state and be safe and, and actually not just like, Oh, I great. I can eat, but you know, be able to provide to have a nice platform of launching off points so that he can be self-sustaining and uh, do actually do stuff that he wants to do. And so we were able to reach 10 K in one day. Thanks to all of you who promoted all of you who showed up, all of you who donated Thank you so much. We raised even more than 10K. It was it was slightly more. So oh, thank yeah. you so much. And I'm I'm really just proud of us. So yay. yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's amazing. Um and best of luck to them in their new setup. The new yeah. Um that rules. What about so, you, Mule? What was the Oh wait, was, did I cut you off? Sorry. No, no, no. I was about to lead into the asking the next person. Don't worry about oh, it. Okay. <laughs> I just I just snaked it. I just <laughs> I snaked your little segue. Um right Mule, yeah, what are you what's the most base thing you'll be doing? So um it's been a bit of a weird uh couple of months. I had like a, a a few horrible things happen, but um I'm still here and I'm still going and um I managed to support uh some people with their 
Section 21s still. So even though I've oh, had yeah. this like pretty hanging um, post viral fatigue, um, I'm pretty I'm pretty certain that I had COVID and um just after it i've i've kind of developed like long covid and and it's just taken like a long time to get out of my system so it is yeah it's pretty it's been a bit of a struggle i've not been able to go to the gym i've not really been able to do a lot of stuff i've not been streaming too much but this week just gone i have got back to streaming obviously i'm here on red planet as well um so i am feeling like very very much better so that's a base thing i guess knowing where my limits are in terms of health uh you know making sure that i'm not beating myself up mentally i've actually been taking a lot of time to meditate i don't know if i don't know if you guys have heard about this but meditation cures all of your mental health problems and you don't even need to do any therapy or anything no, wow I've this heard is a joke. Of this, yeah. um <laughs> but it has it has been really good it has actually been really good um sitting down and getting back into meditation and stuff again because um it does something it definitely does something it relaxes you it helps you sleep it um you know it's really really good um so that's been really based but yeah i think the most base thing has definitely been helping um you know there's been a couple of people like one person who's directly in the the red planet and dj mule um uh community that i've helped uh with their section 21 um just giving them advice and just kind of sitting down and making sure that they um you know know their rights and um eventually it's come around to the fact that one of them is not uh you know resisting their eviction they've had like something else come up and that's great uh, but then the other person that I've been helping who is is not in the DJ Mule Red Planet uh, community, that's a bit more of a of a sensitive sort of situation. So that's been a bit more difficult um, and that's kind of ongoing. So yeah, just standard renters union stuff, really. What about you, Tim? Um, I was just thinking about this earlier and for this week, it's definitely um, the other day, there was a huge disruption on all of the public transport the other day because... Um, there was there was a shooting in Auckland and it was by the big train station in town where all the trains kind of come and go from. So they stopped it down. So um, because I was catching the train into work that day and so I ended up at the train station and there was just this old guy there who he didn't really know what was going on. He was waiting for a train as well. And I could kind of tell that he was a little bit like, you know, didn't know it was up because um, so I went over and had a chat to him. He was an old Fijian guy. Um. He said, I think he said he was 65. So he was like, you know, an older guy, whatever. He didn't speak great English. And um, and I just kind of had a chat to him and I was like, hey, this is what's happened. This is why, you know, the train's going to be late or whatever. And then we sat there for like, I don't know, it would have been like 20 or 30 minutes and just had a, had a bit of a chat, you know. And, um, and he just started asking me things about like, I mean, obviously, like he, he probably doesn't know anyone to ask so just stuff like um he's asking me about like he was like renting you know like a house or whatever like that and it really sucked and it was like cold and all this kind of stuff like that so um I just talked to him for a little while about like you know his rights as a tenant and we have this like kind of thing like this healthy homes kind of thing in New Zealand where it's like landlords are supposed to you know like um like a house has to be insulated to a certain level and all this kind of stuff like that and like told him about like there's we have like a citizens advice bureau which is like a thing that you can go to you can get legal advice and all this kind of stuff and there's one like not too far away so it's like this is where you can go you know you can have a chat to them and um you know all those kind of stuff like that and um just like one of those like casual interactions where it was just like oh yeah there's like people like in your neighborhood or your community and stuff that you can probably just like 
you know like if you just have a chat to them like we can probably um help each other out and even just like little ways or whatever oh, and yeah. that was just uh yeah that was just like a couple of days ago and um yeah i don't know one of those little things where it's like it just felt really positive going away from it being like i hope i hope he sorts it out you know yeah you make like a like a, a genuine connection like one of the one of the big big things i've been thinking of communism and anarchism anti-fascism they're all ideologies that are based in like love and compassion for your fellow human right and even further to that animals as well right so you know these the the way that we fundamentally think about each other um should have that very direct personal connection and just like you say just sitting down with this older fella even though like he's he's not from you know the same place as you you found it like not not that easy to communicate with him but still like you know you know you got through it and and you you know helped him realize what his rights were that like is a very deep human like loving act right it's a compassionate beautiful loving act and i think that's awesome tim yeah i think that's great yeah yeah and i feel like it's um you know it's like sometimes you don't need to actually sit down with someone and you know like say like communism or or any anarchy or anything like that but it's just like you can just like help someone out and um you know just like a little wave of that, that that is like helpful to the overall thing you know but um yeah but it doesn't have to be uh anything major it doesn't like i mean there's no harm in being like dropping the the c-bomb or whatever <laughs> but, but just, it wasn't super relevant you know but um yeah cool. yeah you know but uh yeah all right and so um yeah sofa's enjoying us today but um she'll be around i think next time so we're good so instead um we should just get straight into the news or so. we should take a little look at the based viewer that we had. Our based viewer for, uh, from the last couple of weeks is based viewer Molly. So on the 28th of June, she helped organize the making, uh, sorry, a marking of the Stonewall riots with one of the most prominent leftist youth parties in Norway. It was organized in order to point out how Pride has evolved into a celebration to celebrate homophobia being over in Norway, rather than pointing out how they still have far to go in terms of rights for LGBT plus people. Further, activism has been a boon for her mental health and our continued outstanding work, she says, with Red Planet is what inspired her to get more active. Well, Molly, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. You were, uh, you know, writing into us, and yeah, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, thanks so much. If if you have been doing some base stuff, we want to know what you've been doing. You can message us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. Send it or send an email to based at redplanetshow.com. Include your name, your pronouns, uh, and if you're cool with it, we may shout it out in a later episode. So there you go. And now, Tim, now you can tell us <laughs> about about the. Uh, what was going on in Paris? What's been going on in Paris? We haven't been around for a while. Uh, yeah, yeah. Listeners, but yeah, we're, we're, we're going to keep you updated still, even though we're hmm. probably kind of updating on this. <laughs> yeah, this is, um, this has, was happening like, uh, yeah, over the last couple of weeks or so. It's kind of been a developing situation. Um, and it's, I think like the riots are basically kind of like have wound down at this point, but, um, a bunch of rioting kicked off um, in France because police killed a 17-year-old delivery driver, um, Nahil Mazouk. At uh, they shot him at point-blank range as he drove off from a traffic stop. Uh, well, that 
you know, like the story that he was like, they pulled him over and talking to him and then he tried to drive away and they shot him. Um, they shot him from, yeah, from point blank range, which is really close. That's like within a couple meters is considered point blank. And he was the second person this year to be killed by cops during a traffic stop. Um, and 13 were killed in the same way over the last year. Um, and so he was a young, um, young delivery driver of Algerian descent. And, you know, there's a lot of Algerian people in France. There's a lot of North African people in France in general because of all of, because of the French in North Africa and the things that they did there. There are a lot of, um, there's a huge North African Algerian community in France and they are typically um not treated too well by the police you know like i know it's the same story everywhere you know it's like the countries in the imperial corps ship out the violence to the outside import the wealth or whatever and then when people from those places that produce this wealth come back into the imperial corps to these countries whether it's you know by their own volition or not um they end up becoming you know part of the oppressed underclass particularly like uniquely oppressed i would say compared to the you know the other working class people already there but um so french police initially said that nahil drove his car towards them with the intention of hurting them and this was this was proven untrue verified footage shows a cop pointing his gun at Nahil through the car window and shooting him at point-blank range as he tried to drive off. So pointing the gun into the car, which is kind of like, just like, that's uh, like, a even for a cop, that's like a really extreme act, you know, to be like putting the gun into the vehicle. Um, according to the public prosecutor of Nanterre, after starting their shift, two motorcycle police officers from the DOPC noticed a Mercedes-Benz A-Class with a Polish license plate driving at high speed in a bus, bus lane, driven by a young-looking person at around 7.55 a.m. The motorcyclists activated their warning signals, audible and visual, and indicated to the driver at a red traffic light to stop. The vehicle restarted and ran the red light. The police officers followed the car and alerted their superiors via radio. The car committed multiple traffic violations, endangering a pedestrian and a cyclist. Due to traffic congestion, the vehicle was eventually forced to stop. The police officers got off their motorcycles, pointed their guns at the driver, and ordered him to turn off the engine. Instead, the vehicle started to pull away, and one of the police officers fired a shot at the driver. The vehicle continued its route before crashing into street furniture at 8.19 a.m. The rear passenger was arrested when he exited the vehicle. The front right passenger fled. The police officer who fired the shot provided first aid to the driver. The driver was pronounced dead at 9.15 a.m. So according to the, uh, to the police, an officer fired his weapon as a young driver was about to run him over. So this version, citing self-defense, was quickly challenged after the publication of a video showing that the car was not in position to harm the police officers and was not heading towards them. According to Le Monde, the 50-second sequence, which has gone viral on social media, has literally swept away the language elements initially disseminated by police sources and repeated by some media. The, the video shows that the two police officers were on the driver's side of the Mercedes. The car was moving off when the police officer fired the shot still at close range. So this is like was a crucial thing to the, the riots kicking off when people realized that the police had just 
just lied about it you know like this video showed very clearly that like the cops said that he was like in front of the car and that the car had accelerated towards him but then it was shown that he was actually to the side and pointing his gun inside the car when it happened that kicked off first and then people started kind of being like hey this is actually really horrific what's happened but then um, a little bit later, so on 30th, the 30th of June, 2023, a third passenger aboard the Mercedes testified that Mazuk received butt strokes. So that's when um, a cop uh, hits you with the butt of the gun. So according to this witness, the third butt stroke made Mazuk release the brake pedal, causing the car to move forward, given that the gearbox is automatic. So it wasn't that he tried to speed away. It's that when the police officer hit him in the face, his foot came off the pedal and the car went forward, which is like exactly what, you know, uh, an automatic uh, car would do. So according to BFM TV, this version differs from that put forward by the police. As according to Laurent Nunez, the driver had first turned off the engine, restarted the vehicle, then left. It was in this context that the police officer used his firearm. So the police said that he started his, like he had turned the car off and was sitting there and then he would turned it on and then sped off. And that's when they shot him. But, um, you know, which is like a much more deliberate act as opposed to just the involuntary thing of someone hitting you. And, you know, um, so the Paris police union said, says in a statement that police are at war with the anti-police violence rioters who they're calling savage hordes they also warn the government that they're engaged in resistance and combat. So this is the police union using these this kind of phrasing, like, um, and it's much more than like normally we just see like the us and them sort of thing, but um, you know, like this is like people saying they are at war, and yeah, like the savage hordes. Which um, like I read an interview with someone who was a local, um, they're engaged in kind of like you know, activism who said that even though it's obviously full of kind of like dog whistles in French, a lot of it is a lot more um, like dog whistles that they use over there specifically that is kind of like baked into the language. It doesn't really translate well. And they were like, yeah, this police union statement is basically just like a very, um, a very deliberate far right kind of um you know manifesto saying that like you know we are the police and we are like um you know this like you know like that thin blue line kind of thing where it's like we are the thing holding this country together and um the even like a lot of the stuff about like the savage hordes and stuff it's like they're talking pretty specifically about you know black and brown protesters here you know um the people, like I mentioned before, from, you know, North Africa and specifically from, like, Algeria. Um, yeah, and that they're at war with them, you know? It's not a case of, like, there's civil unrest. It's like, this is war. So, um, yeah, so um, they, they ended up putting a ban, you know, like a curfew out on the streets, but the protests just carried on straight through them um, in several cities all around uh, France. And... Um, yeah, it was, uh, so after the fourth night of, uh, writing, it was like, it was like over 1300 people had been, uh, detained. Um, 
2,560 fires had been reported on public roads with 1,350 cars burned and that there had been 234 incidents of damage or fire in buildings, which is huge. Like, this is, like, gigantic, you know? Um, And it's, like, I think that this kind of level of of damage is, like, uh, like... I think when you get to this kind of stuff, it's a very genuine expression of rage, right? Of, um, you know, it's um, like when people are setting fires to things on this scale, it's often like, this is the, this is the one thing we can do, you know? Like people don't have, they don't have like weapons to fight a militarized police force or anything like that, but it's this form of civil disobedience, this kind of like wide scale um you know like and it's like a kind of um vandalism more than it is like a very like um you know like a planned arson thing or anything like that it's just like this uh these these things like these roads these buildings they represent the oppressive state you know and it's like this is the way that these are the tools that we have to fight back against it so um yeah i think a lot of people uh when they think of fires during protest um a lot of people that don't really engage with a lot of the stuff will think of them in the same way as you think of fires in like just a regular arson thing and i think there's like there's hugely different psychology behind it it's like a completely different thing so um yeah like a lot of people quoting those numbers being like this is how dangerous it is this dangerous it is this is like people like often play up that property damage is like this like the worst thing that you can do and obviously yeah it would suck like it would suck if it was like you know your business to get set on fire or whatever but like there are legitimate reasons for people to be this frustrated and to be this upset and you got to think about like the conditions that would force you to do something like that you know and you think about like how these people are oppressed by the French state every day and how, you know, how many people are killed just for senseless reasons. Like this is over traffic stop. Like, yeah, even if, um, even if he had done that, like tried to speed off from the cops or whatever like that, that does, you know, that doesn't justify being shot point blank, you know? These kinds of actions are like deeply human, right? And capitalism is not human. Like neoliberal capitalism of course, it's a thing that humans do, but it, it, it does not aid the human being. It doesn't aid us in our progression. It doesn't aid us in our evolution or, or even uh, innovation. And when you are fighting against something that is obviously causing these things, it's a human response. In an ideal world, someone's shop burning down wouldn't have that much of an impact on them. Like, you know, the, the community would come together and feed them and house them and clothe them and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. Or even just, you know, like um the idea that it's like the um you know, like that wouldn't even if you did lose your shop or whatever like that, you wouldn't be completely destitute. You know, like you would be like the you know, like there would be like that wouldn't be the end of your life, but like the, you know, the reality is it's like under capitalism or whatever like that, even just like having a bad week can just destroy everything for you, you know? So it's like, imagine the frustration of a, you know, like a young Algerian person who has like seen so many of their friends killed over like absolutely minor things. Um, Yeah. You would be, you'd probably be pretty keen to 
get out there and fight back in any absolutely any way that you can right you can't get that back I would like to add to this uh, because we need to move on to the next stories, but I'd like to add to this that so much of what the news is, is just regurgitated police reports. Like a huge amount is just regurgitated police reports. Knowing that the police lie all the time should immediately reframe the way that uh, we interact with the news. And so just uh, just in case anyone didn't know that, I know everyone here listening knows that cop know mm. that cops lie, but also not many people know that so much of what mainstream media is, is just regurgitation of police reports and police testimonies. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, like uh, journalists will hang out at police stations where they're known and um, like ambulance chases. That's what that movie Nightcrawl is about. Like, you know, all this, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. It, it happens all the time. And it's, and there's like a very, um, like, I mean, this is like from uh, the propaganda model as well, you know, like the idea that um, like the police are a valuable source for the media and that um, when you like to anger them is to possibly lose that source, which can be very costly for like an individual journalist, reporter, or like a, you know, like an agency, newspaper, magazine, whatever. So it's, um, there's even when the in, an individual journalist or reporter, whatever, might not agree with, you know, like the way that they have to frame something or whatever, they end up often just having to do it anyway, because otherwise they could lose the source or, you know, they might not get the story next time. You know, just like there's there's like a huge kind of um there's a whole power dynamic going on there as well. That is just w- one of the many filters that kind of um that shapes the media landscape. So yeah. Um but yeah, how about we move along and um Kira, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's happening over at Universal Studios? Sure. So um if y'all didn't know, there's big strikes happening right now in Hollywood. Um, so in front of Universal Studios was going to be a picket line. So there's all these trees lining up where the picket line was supposed to be held. Over that weekend, someone, somebody cuts these trees. Like they trim the tops and really like, and like they butcher these trees, completely like removing all of the foliage that would allow someone to receive shade during the summer in the middle of a heat wave in California, 90 degree weather, standing outside, right? So this is like a really, really important, (laughs) like very much needed uh, shade that somebody trimmed these trees. So at first, Universal Studios didn't didn't take responsibility for the trimming. They didn't have a comment, but like people on social media were pretty suspicious and just immediately just pointing fingers at Universal Studios because let's face it, that's probably what happened. in fact, Derek A. Hughes is a co-executive co-produ- producer on Quantum Leap, who's also on the WGA board of directors, says, it's just very suspect. If this was done by the city, why didn't they trim the trees on that side? And he points across the street. So only where the picket line was going to be held, and only over the weekend, right before the picket line was going to be held, these trees are trimmed. Um so uh, on Tuesday, Kenneth Magia, Magia, the L.A. city controller, announced that his office would investigate the tree trimming as these trees are the property of the city. And they're also essential to providing um, Los Angeles residents, as he calls Angelino, Angelinos, uh, with significant environmental imp- Angelinos uh, with significant environmental and public health benefits, especially during a heat wave. And according to Meji- Mejia, are these trees are not 
the property of Universal Studios. So upon confrontation on Tuesday, Universal Studios responded, we understand that the safety tree trimming of the ficus trees we did on Barnum Boulevard has created unintended challenges for demonstrators. That was not our intention. And then proceeds to say, in partnership with licensed arborists, we have pruned these trees annually at this time of the year to ensure that the canopies are light ahead of high wind season. We support the WGA and SAG's right to demonstrate and are working to provide some shade coverage, blah, 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 blah. I don't think anyone here believes that for a second. And nor, sh- nor if you do, you should stop doing that, actually. The, um, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, the videos that I saw, it's like, this is not what a healthily pruned tree looks like. <laughs> this know? is tree it's killing, like... actually. This will kill trees. Yeah, I did see people, um, people that you know claimed to be arborists and stuff on Twitter saying that they were like, if if I had pruned a tree like this, I would lose my job. You know, so yeah, you know. it's the, basically just sawed off like every branch mm-hmm. and yeah. made it, it. It's like a horrific sight. So, um, and it's also very suspect that all that coincidentally, your very, uh, in, you know, your your care for these trees, uh, salvation through high wind season happened to coincide <laughs> precisely right before in the before the picket line was held under these trees. Um, so on Friday, the LA City Controller uh, Magia, I'm probably butchering his name, said that the company Universal Studios will now be fined two hundred and fifty dollars, which is the highest amount allowed by law for a first time offense. So it's clear that um, LA is identifying Universal Studios as being like big baddie here. But it should, I also want to add that fines once again are just a reprimand for the poor because this is nothing for them. This is nothing for Universal Studios. $250, it doesn't even register anywhere into the company as any amount of money. So, you know, it's it's a frustrating uh, penalty, but it is nice to also have that kind of closure to be like, yeah, we know this was you. And the city knows that you, this is you and yeah. it, and it does not agree with what you're doing. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. It is wild that it's like, I mean, it just seems like just such a slap, like $250, yeah. the highest amount. I mean, yeah, it's, it's obviously, you know, for a first offense or whatever, they probably really law for that. But I feel like, like they probably knew that going into that. They were like, yes, yeah, so they're just going to slap us on the wrist, you know, mm-hmm. Pro- probably. Yeah. If we do get caught. Yeah. Um, Anyways, yeah. um, Mule, what's going on at Grinder? Mule? L- literally nothing good. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's Grinder. I'm the I'm the queer guy. I'm talking about I'm talking about <laughs> Grinder. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's 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 Grinder employees. They're they're unionizing, which is really cool. Um, I know that like Grinder is a bit of a joke amongst um, you know men who love men and uh definitely uh trans people who use the app as well it's uh a bit of a difficult thing to use but i think that it's uh, a really important thing to talk about because you know the people who work at grinder are people who work in general anyway and uh i think it's i think it's great so 100 employees have been signed up uh, including those in cloud engineering it design marketing and quality assurance uh, they said the recent wave of political attacks on the lgbtq community and the layoffs in the tech industry brought urgency to their campaign which they're announcing to the company's management on thursday uh, just to interject i think you failed to mention that they're signing up for unionization so they're unionizing 
Yeah, they're signing. Yeah, they're signing up to uh, unionization. Basically, that's what's going on. As Kira said, and they do have demands already. The demands include securing existing benefits such as trans inclusive healthcare, pay transparency, job security, and adding a worker representative to the board. Um, basically, we have a couple of quotes here from people who've been doing the uh, organizing. Quinn McGee says, workers across industries are realizing that they should have a say in the conditions of their workplace. Uh, Quinn McGee is a grinder product manager and a member of the organizing committee. This idea is having a resurgence that workers could come together to make sure we can protect each other from the vicissitudes, that's a good word, of the current state of things. Uh, as members and allies uh, of communities that are systematically oppressed, we know that strength lies in working together, not alone. Employees behind the effort to unionize the LGBTQ dating app wrote an admission statement. We're already all in this together. We just want to DTR, which is dating lingo for define the relationship. <laughs> um, and they also said to the board, we are zero feet away. Uh, if you use Grindr, you will know that as it's a uh, traditionally gay cruising app, uh, it tells you the distance away that someone is. So that's a uh, little, little bit of a joke there, a little bit of an inside joke to the to the board members. Yeah, I didn't CEO, get that when so. I read the article. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. So, um, yeah, it's really cool. And I think it's I think it's like really important. Um, I think that like. You know, uh, it's 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 if we if we take away the fact that it's grinder and it's a dating app and it's messy and blah, 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 blah. The, the long and short of it is that it's an app and it's a um, you know, it's the tech industry um, that is sort of like coming together and, and, and doing more unionization. You know, like a lot of people who work in tech, a lot of people who work in I.T. constantly talk about the ridiculous hours. Uh, you know, it's it's similar to like um the gaming industry where you know people are people are sort of like overworked all the time desperately trying to like you know do this programming and 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 you know fix these bugs and and all this kind of stuff um so yeah it's really really good it's it's kind of like just a completely necessary uh completely necessary thing to do and of course like the fact that they are you know, specifically, you know, people who were working at Grindr, you know, I would hope that they're all queer anyway, because they should at least, they should at least be in order to understand, uh, you know, how, how queer people are going to be using the app. It's, it's, it's an app for queer people. Um, but yeah, like, uh, you know, they are organizing with the current attacks on, on LGBTQ plus people in the United States, uh, in mind, you know, that they're, they're thinking about all the things that are going wrong uh, the people who hate us, the people who want to see us erased from society, and they're, they're noticing that, and they're sort of making a stand with that in mind. I don't know how base that's going to end up being, if they're going to end up, I don't know, um, making some kind of statement about queer people owning the businesses that are for them, you know? I mean, th th there's definitely, like, things in an article in the Los Angeles Times about that. Um, I was reading it earlier, but I've I've missed the bit that says it. But I just think it is like really important um, for uh, uh, you know queer people to manage queer apps specifically, you know, and and, and to come together and especially unionize. But that's that. Uh, that's the grinder staff unionizing. Good for them. We'll be keeping an eye on that as Red Planet. Uh, but finally, let's have a look at something uh, a bit bigger than that. Kira, tell us about the UPS Teamsters. I would be delighted, Mule. Thank you. So the UPS Teamsters are getting ready for a massive strike. I'm personally so excited for this. This, this strike 
is something in my personal opinion doesn't reflect the opinions of all of red planet but they can chime in if they agree is something that could be the precursor to a general strike um, agree, 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 agree. Okay. Um, so the Teamsters represent more than half of UPS's workforce, and they're in the largest private sector contract in North America. So we're talking around 340,000 workers, and these workers are working critical jobs that keep capitalism afloat, you know, like delivering packages. So many companies, so much of capitalism relies on packages being delivered in a timely fashion and, and delivered, period, right? Um, UPS delivers around two, 25 million packages every day, and they represent about a quarter of all U.S. parcel volume. So this is a massive, massive chunk of capitalism that is gearing up to strike. It's very exciting, very exciting shit. Um, so UPS Teamsters have demanded that UPS reach an agreement with them by the end of July because their contract expires at August 1st. So this is coming up very soon. And so if the UPS uh, corporate doesn't come to an agreement with the Teamsters by July 31st, then the Teamsters are going to strike. Even more exciting is the union representing the UPS pilots say that they will also not cross the picket lines if Teamsters drivers and package shorters strike, which will result in the immediate shutdown of the Express Logistics Company's global air operations. So we're talking a massive chunk of capitalism shutting down potentially August 1st, which is extremely exciting. Um Scared little scumbags as they are, UPS said that it is now going to begin training non-union employees to prepare for this strike. And they claim that this is not them trying to wriggle out of any sort of negotiations. They claim they're still very much good faith. They're just trying to take precautions. But the results of all these negotiations, these failed negotiations, I think speaks volumes differently because it doesn't seem like, according to the Teamsters, that corporate is actually cooperating at all and so um kind of don't want them to i kind of want the strike (laughs) like i want the workers to get what they want i think there's both sides personally this is my personal opinion i think both outcomes is gonna be great either the teamsters get what they want and we see a ton of workers be able to win their demands right but if they don't if demands their demands are not met we're going to see a massive part of capitalism shut down at the end of the month. So very, very excited to see what happens with this. Yeah, I think uh, I echo everything that you're saying there because it's just so like, yeah, it, there's so much of it, right? It's like, God, what they 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 operate in almost every industry, right? It's like delivery of construction materials delivery of you know gas delivery of oil delivery of just everything if if you could think of something that's getting delivered it's it's done by by ups like and and just so much stuff relies on it so it's just Mm -hmm. incredible i would Um, say also that um if you're looking to get something delivered and you can manage to get it delivered this month instead of waiting till next month might be a good idea to get it this month. We might see some delays. We might see some. I mean, it's great to always put pressure on that industry, right? Be like, hey, where's my package? Bra, bra, bra. Because, you know, it, it really reinforces to corporate how much they fucked up by not meeting the demands of the union. Yeah. Um, 
But if you're actually like really do need something, <laughs> I would personally suggest that you probably order it before the end of the month or have it delivered to you before the end of the month, I should say. Yeah. So defo, I agree. Yeah, um, that is the news uh, for this episode. It's time to segue. It's time to get right into the main bit of the show. Um, I don't know if there was an intro written to the show, but there's a bunch of notes, but I guess I could just uh, real quick. Give uh, us an intro. Yeah, freestyle it. intro off the top of the dome. Uh, isn't it cool when people are queer? I'm queer. Are you? Uh, well, if your answer to that is yes, then you'll love this sh- bit that we're going to do now. Um, uh, with, don't you love it when you go to the bank and they got the pride flag all wrong? It's not the right colors. It looks kind of weird and they didn't really try that hard. It's almost like they didn't even consult any queer people when they did it. Well, that's called pinkwashing and they don't give a shit about getting the colors on the pride flag right. Uh, all they care about is can we make gay people give us money and can we uh, make sure that the uh, people think that we're a good company because we allow uh, LGBTQ plus people to be around us and kind of use our services a little bit with not that much oppression, but still a bit of oppression. Don't ask any transgender people what it's like to bank with us. Oh, um, that's what we're talking about today. And Tim's got a whole bunch of stuff written down about pinkwashing. How was that? That was just, that was fine. That was. <laughs> it was an intro. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah. It was one of the intros of all time, wasn't it? it was- <laughs> there you go. Listeners, consider yourself introduced. <laughs> um, yeah, so we got some like kind of like rough notes about uh, what, uh, yeah, what pinkwashing is, where the term kind of comes from, and how you might have seen it manifesting, uh, especially around Pride Month. Basically, like yeah, every every year there's something new, some some corporation has found a new way of cynically cynically weaponizing um you know queer identity so um yeah let's 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 start talking about it um so for yeah like Mule was saying it's usually what we call pinkwashing is um like when a company that probably doesn't actually care pretends to care but uh, as a as a reaction to the market, I'd say, you know, so when it becomes profitable to, you know, proclaim some kind of, you know, like queer identity or whatever, uh, you might see a company all of a sudden, you know, put up a, a flag or whatever. And this could be anything from like something to lure in new customers or it could be like um, like over here, there is a group that you can buy a rainbow tick. So that's like. A little badge that you get to put on all your advertising stuff to say that you are you know you're a big fan of the gays and that um you know <laughs> that you you're a great ally it just costs money you just pay it's like ten thousand dollars that you pay to this um this organization that kind of suck it's like just a bunch of rich people that kind of you know have a little board together it used to be tied in with the people that ran pride but a few years back, there was a big split over here when um, all to do with kicking the cops out of pride that um, some friends of mine were involved with. And when they kicked the cops out, it kind of split into two different ways. And this kind of like liberal 
kind of like shitty pride that don't really you know they're not really community focused or whatever and then there's like the actual kind of community one that is like run by you know working class queer people and there's like a lot of cool workshops and things like that that they run so um yeah so basically the shitty liberal one you can just well they're not even that liberal like a lot of them are quite conservative you know like conservative um like white queer dudes who um you can pay them a bunch of money you get a little tick on your business and you don't have to do anything else that's it that's your all of a sudden you're an ally you've paid the you've paid the fee um, you know what it's kind of similar to it's kind of similar to like carbon credits right yeah 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 or um over here there's like a kind of thing for different meat standards or whatever and it's like literally just like you just oh it's like the heart foundation as well like you right. just pay the money and they're like yeah this is good for the heart it's good for the heart <laughs> even though it yeah. isn't it, there's just nothing yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah in reality so ridiculous it's nothing so yeah it's the same thing and it's like a lot of these companies not only fall short in kind of um helping or like kind of um i guess like supporting the queer community but like so a lot of them can even have policies that actively harm queer people you know whether it's from um like exclusionary kind of hiring practices or even like i know friends that have been denied um like mortgages and bank loans and stuff because they don't recognize a um you know like a queer relationship in the same way that they will like a you know like a straight marriage or whatever so um yeah there's like plenty of different ways that that can kind of manifest Um, um there's one that i wanna so one thing I think sometimes people miss stuff like this and this is related to something that we spoke about on a previous episode when we were talking about what trans liberation looks like with Katie Montgomery and we spoke mm-hmm. about corporations sponsoring um you know various hateful media yeah outlets. yeah so like for example in uh, Manchester there's there's a uh, a sort of trans pride festival called Sparkle that happens every July and they were sponsored by Sainsbury's. And I think that I think they're sponsored by Sainsbury's every every year. They're they're like a grocery store chain in the UK, quite a big one. Um, and Sainsbury's have also repeatedly used adverts, like paid for advertising space in the Daily Mail, in the Daily Te- Telegraph, all these different horrific uh, you know, uh media outlets where, where they demonize trans people. So, you know, that's like a great example of it. And just any kind of, you know, <clears throat> that's what it is. It, it, Tim got it in one. It's it's just it's just making people forget that that they are not inclusive. And, you know, just just by like, okay, well, we spoke to the the board of queers, right? We spoke to the board of queers and they said that we're we're fine, you know. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah. We um yeah, we called the we called the manager, we got the little <laughs> sticker. So we're good to go. Um so uh yeah, so it actually uh, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, the term of pinkwashing, some of the like we're kind of I think it may have existed prior, but when it really kind of came to public attention is um from a little while back, it was, so, um, where is it? I've got it written down here. Yeah, cool. So in April 2010, queers undermining Israeli terror- terrorism, so Q-U-I-T, quit, in the Bay Area, used the phrase pinkwashing as a twist on greenwashing, a practice where companies claim to be eco-friendly in order to make a profit. 
which is like yeah a huge thing you know and we get that a lot here in New Zealand because it's like we kind of have this clean green image like on the world stage sort of thing but it absolutely not and like people like businesses will just use clean branding and then like go back to just destroying the environment you know so um yeah so it's very similar to greenwashing so um yeah Danya Alwan was at a talk with Ali Abu Abunami Abunama? Yeah, Abunama, editor of Electronic Intifada in 2010, when he said, we won't put up with Israel whitewashing or greenwashing. And she thought of pinkwashing. Um, in 2010, Sarah Shulman used the term pinkwashing in a widely read New York Times editorial, arguing that Israel used the tactic in its public relations. Shulman saw pinkwashing as a manifestation of homo-nationalism. The processes by which some powers selectively agree with the claims of sexual minorities and exploit them to justify racism, xenophobia, which is in brackets rejection of foreign people, and aporophobia, which is rejection of the poor. In short, the intersection between gay identities and, national, and nationalist ideology. Homo-nationalism shaped the concept of pinkwashing, and the two terms are often used together as tools to explain the actions of countries. Jasper Poir writes in a later article, Rethinking Homo-nationalism, that the two terms are not parallel, but rather pinkwashing is able to exist because homo-nationalism exists, which is like a whole other, you know, like that's like a huge thing when we start talking about homo-nationalism, um, which is like these intersections of, yeah, not just like, you know, xenophobia and aporophobia uh, uh huge like you see that a lot like in the instance that I was just talking about like with the pride board and um the split between the kind of like the old pride and the new pride where it's like one is stacked with you know like kind of middle-aged and older white cis gay dudes that work in you know like corporate jobs and like they do they're doing pretty well for themselves you know and then like the new pride it's like yeah like way more trans people a lot less cis queer people which is like you know like not a bad thing or anything like that it just happens that it you know the more conservative elements of you know of pride have typically come from kind of like you know white cis gay dudes but you know not to devalue the amazing work that a lot of like white cis gay dudes have done you know uh but yeah that's just kind of you know how things fall uh people that are marginalized due to their kind of ethnicity and you know like even um you know when it comes to it particularly down here with like uh pacifica people and maori indigenous people um there is i think a unique perspective as well that leads to uh radicalism so you know like radical politics um, and yeah, I mean, refugees and stuff definitely as well. There is a huge refugee um, presence in the um, pride groups down here. But um, yeah, so I think that it's like when we start looking at things through that lens, especially when we're looking at places like Israel, we start getting like a much bigger picture, which is, um, yeah, which is where this like homo nationalism comes in. I think the Israel thing is such um, a good point. Sarah Shulman's an amazing writer and, and yeah, I completely agree um, with the, the whole, you know, pinkwashing thing of, of, of Israel because they, they often, you know, saying, oh my gosh, like you, you say that we're so bad for genociding Palestinians, but what if those Palestinians wanted to be gay? But the thing is, is that 
there are loads of queer Palestinians and they often try to get to Israel to escape the, you know, the, 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 the hatred of queer people that unfortunately does exist um, in, in Palestine. And, the, you know, Israelis do not offer them uh, asylum. They, and, and if they did offer them asylum, you know, they still don't let queer people get married. You know, the, the, there's these horrific um, uh, adverts that you see like, and they're on YouTube all the time. And, it, and it, yeah. it's, it's vile where they're, they're constantly pushing Tel Aviv and they're constantly talking about like, um, you know, just how progressive Israel is. Yeah, like they call it like, you know, like it's like the queer capital of the Middle East and stuff like yeah. that. But it's like, yeah, I mean, it's like very obvious that it's like, okay, only if you're like a, a white Jew from Brooklyn, you know, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you won't, you won't, you won't get the same, um, and and also even even then, it's like if you were to to live in in somewhere other than Tel Aviv, you would probably yeah. have a markedly different uh, experience, you know. Because at the end of the day, the the sad reality is that like you know, queer people are gonna are gonna suffer like all over the world for sure, and in Israel, if you know, as they are like specifically using it as this you know, horrific um, way to sort of mask their genocide, you know, mm-hmm. certainly not in the name of, of any progressive queer people. Um, I also want to add to this that um, even for the white gay guy from Brooklyn, it's still not great. I mean, gay marriage isn't even legal in Israel for the record. <laughs> like it's not actually, um, it's not actually a, an oasis for, for gay men at all yeah yeah exactly but it's like the way that they try and frame it is that is like that's that's you know that's pinkwashing right it's like they um they will say it not even just as like a lie to kind of like compare themselves to you know a lot of like the kind of like you know palestine or other arab states around anything like that it's like this idea that it's like they're even lying to their own people they're lying to themselves you know it's um yeah, yeah, like it means absolutely nothing, and it's purely just like a branding exercise, really. Like, yeah, um, yeah, and I, and I think the the branding is 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 such an important thing because moving beyond the Israel thing and sort of moving back to like corporate pride and like you know what what has happened with you know pride marches all over the world, specifically what you were talking about in New Zealand, Tim, and and the way that things are in um, certainly in the UK, you know, mm. you will you will get um like you know ba weapons systems and lockheed martin um you know uh, desperately trying to like put on these and it's and it's always the same you know when i when i was doing the intro i know i was uh haphazardly sort of uh doing doing a lot of improv there but you know a lot of what i was saying was true you know you will find these like half-arsed pride flags that that aren't the correct colors and they they have maybe hired some graphic designer to do it but the graphic designer is is not queer or they're queer but they've been like told no no, no we don't want to make it exactly the pride flag because that would be too progressive but we want to we want to make it our own version we want to make yeah, it yeah. like the lockheed martin pride flag which <laughs> yeah, is yeah. the most vile thing to even consider like even Rainbow. as an artist do you know what i mean yeah yeah raytheon rainbow the raytheon pride socks stay on during sex during the you know the no no lows refused come yeah yeah. Um... (laughs) yeah but it is like yeah it is a thing where it's like the symbol of um you know like the kind of like the rainbow flag and this kind of um like the progressive symbolism of the kind of you know just um 
that's like movement to support queer rights and stuff is actually like it has become such a marker for you know what people think of as progress and you know so it's like that's why a lot of these corporations will um, adopt it because it's like it is kind of I guess it is like a battleground that is being fought that people want to they want to be um, seen as on the right side you know they want to be seen as um, you know as an ally as one of the good ones all this kind of thing like and that's why that's why they adopt pride symbolism you know it's like whereas I think a lot more and I like it's it's less risky I think for them whereas um or historically has been um you know like more companies would be inclined to you know like put a, a pride flag in their window than they were to put like a fucking like a black fist in their window during you know like the George Floyd protests and things like that um but then I feel like it is it is changing a little bit though you know like you see like these like conservative hate campaigns at the moment like with all like Bud Light and all this kind of stuff and it's like kind of like this ground that I you know like I think it appeared had already been like like the conversation had moved past this point it's like being dragged back into like yeah you know like um, well this well this is this is why people like Dave Rubin you know, conservative queers are so desperately frustrating to anyone, to any other queer person who is not as privileged as that, to anyone who understands, like, you know, what pick me means. Um, because, you know, our rights w- have still not been completely won. You know, we don't have queer marriage in, in a lot of places. We don't have rights for trans people in a lot of places. Um, you know, healthcare. Um, you know, trans people overwhelmingly, um, but even like sex healthcare for uh, queer people, like it's been extremely hard for me. You know, I'm a, I'm a polyamorous queer man and it's been really hard for me to access um, sex health, sexual, you know, for, for STD tests and stuff like that. Um, you know, so, so things are not good. You know, that we have like this, this sort of concession where it's like, you know, as as we've said already, if if you're white, if you're cisgender and you're a man and you're queer, well, we can handle that. Do you know what I mean? We can handle that because, well, at least you're a man and you've got your head screwed on, right? You know what I mean? This is how this is how this is how people look at this shit. This is how people look at this shit. Like, you know, they're um constantly like, you know, desperately trying to stop any kind of progression. It's like, you know, oh well, okay, there's the LGBT, and that's why you're here a lot of conservatives, they're desperate to like, well, we need to cut the T off the LGB, you know, we, and then it's like the alphabet mafia. What is it now? LGBT five X, Y, nine Z. And it's like, you know, what they're, what they're basically saying there, you have to listen to what they're saying. And what they're saying is we don't want any more progression for the queer community. They know the queer community is more than just cis white gay men. Like they know that, but like, they don't want any more, um concessions because that's what they see our rights as as concessions and when it's being dra- dragged back so so much so especially in the US you know nowadays like even in the UK there are there are examples of it um you know less so in the in the UK but definitely there's there's the sort of like weird disparity between like you know horrific billionaires who wrote children's books talking about it and then 
on the ground violence happening as well this sort of like massive gulf between the kinds of people who do this stuff and the kinds of people who talk about this stuff um but it's happening it's not not happening um yeah so and, and that's that i think that's another thing this is this is why we wanted to talk about pink washing we'd we'd organize this episode for a, a couple of um uh weeks before uh you know uh, before this, but um, I think it's still relevant for sure because you know, with the advent of, of Pride coming around and and us, um, you know, understanding that like there are just so many vile corporations who march. You know, the police, the police still march in, in many Pride marches, and it's it's just such a joke. Like every single one of us who knows our history knows that uh, you know, Marsha P. Johnson was harassed by cops. Um, a lot of people believe that's how she died because there are no um, records of, of how she died. She was just found in a river and um, there's every chance that the harassment from the cops is why she ended up in that river. You know what I mean? This is obviously speculation, but, you know, with the way that cops treat queer people, especially, you know, queer black women, you know, it's trans women. It's 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 more than likely. Right. Um and um you know just the the mere concept of that you know from 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 marsha p johnson throwing the first brick at stonewall to where we're at today where the police are openly marching you know they're like oh well we have we have queers in our ranks now you know so so that's fine um <laughs> it's just it's just so vile so um yeah just thinking about all the different um i guess necessary steps that we need to take to kind of like you know remove these organizations from pride and take it back to what it was to begin with which was a protest it's always been a protest and i think that's that's the 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 where you get these kind of like lib-brained takes uh well they're not lib-brained takes they're 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 conservative takes but they get translated into into you know, liberal stuff where, where liberals are like, oh, well, you know, we shouldn't have kink at pride because, oh my gosh, there's, you know, there's kids there and blah, 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 this, that, and the other. And it's like, okay, listen, you know, no one, no one ever said we're desperate to have kids at pride, right? No one, no one's ever said this, <laughs> right? It's good for kids to understand what queer people are. Um, and it's fine for queer people, uh, for, for kids to be at pride because generally speaking, pride is not like a sex show, when 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 conservatives think of these prides where men are having sex in the street and all this kind of stuff they're talking about things like Folsom Street Festival which is something that happens in a gated off community in San Francisco um and yeah that's a sex party it's 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 a sex party and you know there's no denying that but kids aren't allowed right yeah, yeah. So and it's like a thing that has like existed for a long time and like the community Wait, is like totally yeah. aware aware of it and it's like just this one thing that is done at a certain place a certain time every year and it's yeah. like yeah it's yeah it's and it's so, chill you know <laughs> so you get yeah you get so you get these uh, you get these arguments where like you know conservatives are trying to drive this like wedge issue it's always protect the children and that's what they're doing with you know with trans people and, and drag uh brunches now it's like you know we got to protect the, the kids and stuff like that but this is why pride you can't you can't get around pride being a protest this is directly what happens when you try to corporatize pride and allow these companies to pink wash because you get more eyes on it right you get more eyes on pride 
And then when more people are looking at it and they're going, oh my God, look at this. And, and it's like, right, okay, so, you know, straight people are going to Pride and they're, and they're supporting queer people and that's great, but they're taking their kids and like, oh, what's going to happen to their kids and da, da, da. So all these new arguments start to come up and then liberals get carried away with it and they go, oh yeah, they've got a point there. They've got a point, but it's like, do they really have a point? Yeah, well, there's this um this quote that I grabbed from um there was a piece we spoke about on the news here earlier in the year when um in Australia at the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras, which is like their kind of pride parade over there, they um uh Senator Lydia Thorpe, who is uh Indigenous um Australian woman who is she's an independent uh she's an independent senator she was a greens but she quit the greens to go independent because they were too kind of liberal or whatever and um uh so she lay down in the middle of the street in front of a police float to stop it to protest police involvement and pride and everyone was like oh my god like what is she doing you know like why is she stopping the police and it's like there was one thing i remember someone saying being like well if you don't like what Lydia Thorpe did at Pride, you know, to the police at Pride, wait until you hear about what the police have done at Pride and why, you know, like even like the first, the, well, the first Sydney gay and lesbian Mardi Gras parade was like, they arrested like dozens and dozens of people and just beat the shit out of like, like literally like, you yeah. know, hundreds of people were injured by police then. So, um, and that's the same, the same parade just years later. But um, yeah, there was this um this piece in the conversation talking about her doing this, and they the way they said it was um the Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras parade since that time has raised awareness about the stigma facing people with HIV and AIDS, <clears throat> the fight for marriage equality, and the wider issues facing LGBTIQ plus peoples. Yet the parade as a vehicle for disruption to amplify awareness about intractable so- intractable social issues can be at odds with the broader, ordered public relations objective of the Mardi Gras. This is only amplified in the global context of Sydney hosting World Pride in 2023. So it's like, this is the interesting thing, like the goal of it being like Pride, you know, the historic Pride is like a protest as this kind of like this disruption, this thing being like, we're here, we deserve rights versus this modern like what they call the broader ordered public relations objective. Yeah, the PR angle, I think, is definitely the one that a lot of, um, like, the libs will go for. They'll say, like, oh, this doesn't really help us because it makes us look like we're wild and we're, you know, like, or whatever. We're out of control. Um, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, when stuff like that has happened, when, um, so a friend of mine who, um disrupted pride here a few years back um and i had her arm broken this is um this is emmy who will probably be on the show at some point yeah um so done a lot of stuff with her um the cops like broke her arm and like beat her up and all this kind of stuff and um you know she had to go sit in jail without you know like with a broken arm and like refused medical attention and all this kind of stuff and all of the people were like um well all the more conservative kind of queers were like oh well you know it's just such a bad look like making a big deal of this and like stirring things up and all this kind of stuff and um one thing that I thought was wild was that there's like such a huge disconnect because I know so many young young queer pacifica and maori people from growing up where it's like 
that's just the shit that would just happen to them like on the weekend you know right. like they would just get like harassed by cops or like you know like a like a young kind of like trans you know polynesian person walking down queen street would probably get stopped by the cops and harassed and assumed to be like a sex worker or something like that you know and um you know that would end up with them you know possibly going into the cells or getting like hurt by police and things like that and it's like this is the difference between like the more kind of like the normie gays who just they think that you know by disrupting the disrupting the parade that you're causing this gigantic kind of you know like this this big um like dramatic event sort of thing where it's like no like there's like horrific things happening to the community like every day like all day and it's usually the cops are involved in that like a lot of the times they are so it's kind of like you know like when you actually take a step back and look at it it's like it's pretty harmless just to jump in front of the parade like yeah you know it sends a huge message but it's like in term in relation to the harm perpetrated by the cops against the queer community it's nothing yeah. you know what's um, yeah what's the yeah. what's the harm like this this i think this is you're holding up the parade yeah what's what's explicitly missing from a lot of conversations and this is done on purpose because of course if you were to ask what is the measurable harm that queer people do to the community conservatives would say something like oh well they um you know breaking down the family unit (laughs) great they break down the family unit and blah 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 blah. but like so so they have this imagined harm don't they that queer people are perpetrating all over the world um and again it's it's similar with like you know libs will say oh my god but you're, you're holding up the parade you know but then again the question is well what's the harm done there well like you said you know the parade was held up and, and you know what what does that fundamentally mean for everybody not a lot really your, your afternoon has been delayed by 20 minutes and oh no you've had to listen to the voices of black and brown queers fuck man holy shit oh that's so harmful and i think it also is that thing where it like turns the mirror back and shows you know like and it can show people that are you know like still obviously like still oppressed and still you know like do still do face violence by the state and all this kind of stuff but you know it can show particularly back towards um you know like white cis people that there is harm being done to the community that um that you are you know either ignorant to uh or ignoring or even in some cases complicit because there are heaps of there are you know there are a lot of quick ops um so yeah it's kind of uh like i i think it's one of those things that makes a lot of people really awkward and it's the same with um you know a lot of kind of protests like with like the just stop oil stuff with a lot of like you know a lot of the more like direct action vegan activism stuff where it's like it makes people uncomfortable to kind of like look back at themselves and see um the you know like which what part like what side are they on in this you know um yeah well it's 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 i think that's the that's the biggest thing i think that everybody has to remember is that even you know some of the older queers like i'm i'm 33 i had to think then um but you know i didn't necessarily like i grew up in section 28 and that probably harmed my development as as a queer person but i i did not know where that came from 
right? I did not know why there weren't any bisexual people on TV. I, you know, I didn't know why, um, if there were bisexual people on, on TV, it was only ever women and they were overtly sexualized. So, um, but that is obviously all down to section 28, queer phobia and stuff like that. And it's that, it's that, um, mystifying of where, you know, pride comes from, which really harms people because you get, you get these privileged queers, um, you know, me included, who just did not, did not see, um, what Stonewall was like Stonewall when you, when you actually like do the reading and you, you learn about the history of it and it's like, okay, well, the, the owner of the pub had to pay the cops every fucking week. It was a protection racket, you know, so that the, so that the cops wouldn't just like bust in and start beating people up and, you know, all this kind of stuff. They were, they were essentially running like, you know, a, a gang, uh, but with any of the, the good things that gangs do, um, you know, <laughs> in the US specifically, um, <laughs> And, um, yeah, you know, like then, you know, one day, even though the guy had paid the money, they still came in and and arrested a bunch of, uh, you know, mostly black queer people. Um, and it's just that kind of shit, right? It's just, it's just literally like that message, that, that thing where people say Stonewall is a riot. And even then they don't know why Stonewall was a riot. They don't know what happened. And then when you, when you learn that it was it was literally that like the cops just broke in despite having a, a you know an agreement a paid agreement um with the owners of the bar um they still came in and started attacking queer people it wasn't even just a you know an, an arrest is always going to be violent but they were they were beating people up they, they you know they were women they were uh, you know young uh queer people black people like it's it's this is the thing and when you when you learn that that's what happened and alongside that the way that queer people had to live back then was just so far removed from anything that we could possibly think of you know this is this is kind of why conservatives are so mad that we don't have to live like that anymore there are lots of people who still do depends on where you where you live obviously this yeah, is yeah, yeah absolutely imperial core um viewpoint you know we're very lucky to have this in the imperial core but you know we fought for it and now we are seeing you know some people's rights get get fucking completely um you know yeah yeah and um uh chloe mentioned something uh interesting in the chat which is true that um based on what you were saying about you know like about gangs there were a lot of uh a lot of gay bars and a lot of just kind of like i would say like queer like kind of like hangout places or venues were often owned by um criminal enterprises around the place because it was like not for them being like more progressive than anyone else but just because it was like kind of like a speakeasy kind of thing right like this is like this is a place to earn money that is illegal and kind of like you know like has to exist kind of in the shadows or whatever so um yeah a lot of the times there were like uh, particularly in the states um and and also throughout asia and stuff as well there was um a lot of like really iconic queer bars were like you know they were run and or at least like you know like the the venue was owned by and all their liquor licensing and stuff was handled by um organized crime um and you know and that was for better or worse you know that's just like a thing that was happening at the time that's another thing where it's like it was beneficial for um organized criminals to 
for to make those business arrangements at the time because it was like money to be made and it's kind of the same as like you know these days where it's like it's beneficial for um a lot of businesses and corporations or states even to uh to adopt like queer imagery or to um hire you know queer openly queer people for to like prominent positions and all this kind of stuff not necessarily because of an idea for ideological reason reasons but purely for i guess like marketing reasons you know um like we see even with um the whole thing with um uh, dylan mulvaney how it was like bud light um did the sponsored deal with her and then with when all that she got hit with so much heat from conservatives and they didn't even like check in with her like they just dropped her like immediately even though it was like it was the most minor thing it was only like one sponsored instagram post it was never like yeah. this like long-term thing but like it was this tiny little thing that ended up in like these like just hectic hate campaigns harassment all this kind of stuff and like they didn't even check in with her and i know yeah. that like but bud light do have like well, Budweiser, like they have a history of um, being more progressive than a lot of other breweries. Like they were, they're historically the one beer that would be sold in all the gay bars because, um, you know, there's like this whole thing going back to Harvey Milk and stuff um, yeah. with that. But still, it's like, man, like if you really want to be an ally, you should, you, you could have like, you know, you could have done a lot more for her, you know, um, probably just sum up like a little bit of what we're talking about then the whole thing was like um you know like a lot of these companies will um they'll use like the raising the visibility the visibility or they'll like be you know wanting to bring you know queer people out of the shadows into the light or whatever like that but it's like with completely no no kind of um acknowledgement of the systemic inequalities and you know like the kind of stuff happening you know that leads that led leads queer people to be oppressed you know in the first place absolutely but, um, so so that's like yeah that's that's why pink washing is really an insidious thing and you know what tim was talking about there the D dylan mulvaney um sponsorship that was also so completely fucked you know just dropping her straight away and that is how i guess that's that's a really damning indictment on how fragile our acceptance is in imperial core society right because when we're talking like people who were so mad that bud light decided to use a trans woman for a little sponsorship on on um instagram it's not going to be an overwhelming amount of the population the an overwhelming amount of the population doesn't give a shit there are even some conservatives that just don't give a shit they're just like oh well you know whatever they're not getting too riled up about it but like you know a lot of them were but again it's like a small minority of people who are so upset and, and angry about this phoning in you know kid rock shooting a bunch of bud light or whatever he did um, <laughs> buying bud light just to set it on fire all this kind of stuff um you know th that that made them sort of drop it from the campaign and not even not even look at it you know and this has happened uh multiple times this year um we have had instances of like mostly in the us it's been mostly in the us this 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 kind of thing hasn't really taken off too much in the uk i, I i'm i'm ready to be corrected on that because it does surprise me that it hasn't 
you know, take taken off just as much, but didn't really take off down here either. But I think it is like America does, you know, it sets that kind of like global hegemonic kind of culture sort of thing. So it's like <clears throat> down here, I did see conservatives try to do like you know they call it bud lighting, and they were trying to do they've tried to do it a couple times since then, and it's like it's a very concerted effort. Like they will be like, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna you know like there's this new book by this like you know this queer New Zealand author and we're going to go and we're going to turn all the books around in the bookstores. And it's like a couple of them do it and they take a photo and they think they're really funny or whatever. And a bunch of people pat them on the backs and it's just like, this just didn't do anything. Like sometimes you just go to a bookstore and books are turned around because someone picked it up and read it and put it back down. You know, it's like your protest is like so ineffectual that you couldn't even look at it and tell that it was a protest, you know? Right. Like, exactly. What's the message here? The, 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 I'm yeah, reading yeah. the blurb. I'm reading the blurb of this book and it sounds really good. Oh, it's by this person. Great. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's that kind of, you know, horrific, horrific uh, kind of stuff. Um, yeah. I am seeing someone in the chat there just saying it happened to Mon- Monroe Bergdorf when she talked openly about racism in the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, Monroe Bergdorf uh, is is incredible. You should uh, definitely go and check her out. She's she's just a really inspirational person. Um, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Like you know, it is it is going to have happened. I guess what I'm saying is is not to the extent and not for the same reasons as the US, because obviously you get turfs in the UK um, quite prominently um, being over sort of. Um, overpopulated with with right-wing nationalists and they tend to do more stuff like go to universities and protest i've i've been to like a couple of these um you know fascist sort of rallies and stuff and and obviously you go there and and you drown them out and there's only about 10 of them and there's like a hundred of you and it's it's you know it's not too bad um it did escalate at honor oak a couple of weeks ago when in fact, it was it was even before the last show that we did because I remember we spoke about um, some comrades of the show that have been on the show who were actually attacked at that um, incident. So there are things like that that happen in the UK, but then not this like I think I think it is like America kind of being like very brand brained, um, which is really interesting because it, it's it's just like and and again it doesn't make any sense. It's like when Colin Kaepernick. Um, was it the Nike thing? I, I can't remember. Like, and everyone was setting fire to the Nikes because he took a knee during the national anthem. Like, just it, it completely absurd. And you're also buying these things and then setting them on fire. So you're not doing a boycott. You're, like, buying the product and then putting it down the toilet. It doesn't make sense. So anyway, it's a very it's a very unique, I think, sort of... It's American. kind of like the, the people... The corporations profit either way you know it's like either either the campaign goes well and everyone is like yay we will buy the product or it goes badly and they're like we will buy the product to burn it <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like they did this uh plan they, they, they you know they know that reactionaries will uh you know do this stuff and they know that they know that um you know, if they go the other way, queer people, progressives will be really good. But yeah, if we're gonna if we're gonna talk uh, more sort of about like you know identifying pinkwashing and uh, sort of identifying like you know what kind of I guess companies will desperately try and hide their um, you know their, their their track record and stuff. Banks are definitely number one in my book, because I know that a lot of trans people that I know have had such a problem in trying to get their names changed. 
with banks and you know they often have some kind of policy where they say we're very progressive and if you want to change your name if you're a, a transgender person that's completely fine you do it really easy and blah, blah 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 and here's the thing i used to work at a bank right years and years and years ago i used to work at a bank and the changing of names yes it's correct it's not that difficult however for some reason when it becomes transgender when the, when the issue is transgenderified right yeah, that's yeah. when it becomes difficult for some when reason. When the issue gets trans. <laughs> when the issue is trans, all of a sudden, it's, it's incredibly difficult. You know, so for example, if, if people are sort of listening and not quite twigging what I'm talking about here, um, well, think about it this way, folks. How many times do cisgender people get married and banks change their names on accounts? That's happening every single fucking day at a bank. You're, you're seeing shit like that happen every day. Um, so why is it so different for trans people? Well, why not? Uh, well, uh, sorry, you know, it should be obvious, I should say. Um, and um, the the thing is with with banks is everybody uses them. Everybody needs them. You kind of can't really operate in society. There are even places now that don't take cash. So you will be like excluded from a bunch of places in society if you refuse to use a bank. Um, Online shopping relies on yep. a bank. Yeah. You need to have a bank right. to do on, or some sort of a connection to a bank. Exactly. And imagine if you're a trans person who's not feeling quite safe or quite comfortable to go out and, and buy clothes, at, uh, you know, somewhere where you could try them on and, and stuff like that. And you got to you got to fucking get you got to get fucking, you know, shit online and stuff. That's going to cause so many problems. So I think banks are like one of the worst offenders for sure. Um, then you've got like, I don't know, like I think the step above that is obviously like, you know, weapons manufacturers, isn't it? Like <laughs> these kinds of co- these kinds of companies where I I guess it's like because it's like oh we're progressive, we support the gays. Yeah. So don't think about all the black children that we kill, right? That's 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 kind of what the the pink washing is there. It's less that they obviously there are going to be queer people in in the countries that the imperial core are at war with and their lives will be intrinsically fucking hurt. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But I think more specifically, it's kind of like, oh, well, we're progressive. We support the gays. So don't think about the, you know, the people of color in, in the imperial. Similarly, is like uh, we allow gay transgender people in the military. So this means that we're progressive. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think it's like it's a thing where it's like when you <clears throat> like the to be um, to to be like. Uh, to be politically radical and queer, it's like you have to really examine your, I guess, your relationship with, you know, with the state. And, um, you know, and I think it's like there's only so far you can go with that before you start getting to like imperialism and things like that. And you see like how, okay, well, your struggle is also aligned with, you know, the struggle of... <clears throat> Palestinian people and you know occupied Palestine and all this kind of things like that so it's like very hard to like not you know like to see those parallels and not you know and and just be like oh yeah well but yeah I could go work for Raytheon you know it's like yeah it's um yeah I don't know I don't see um I I feel like it's like very hard to reconcile that kind of thing um while still being i guess authentically like progressive or radical you know there's also i guess like the 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 step below 
I guess banks. Um, what other stuff? I guess like cops. Cops is another yeah, one, yeah, right? Yeah, cops are a huge, huge one. It's like I mean, it's like what we were talking about earlier with the Pride Parade and like the violence that the police kind of um, perpetrate in queer communities. They'll do that shit, and then they will like you know Pride Month. We get like rainbow cop cars. Like we literally get like <clears throat> you know like, and it's like well, it's just like what is this? what does this do like what is this um you know like it's like wow cool the um you know the stormtroopers have like rainbow helmets now like sick like the people that are like the people that are breaking our arms or whatever they um you know they got the rainbow tick like cool sweet like it's not um you know it's not going to stop them from like harassing you know like uh like trans sex workers on fucking k road or out you know like whatever it's like they're still gonna do the exact same bullshit but they're you know i don't know like maybe they're gonna get a little bit more job satisfaction out of it because they think they're like good guys or whatever like it's yeah it's it's ridiculous it's probably and it's like the most offensive i would say particularly for you know to see them doing this when it's like uh particularly to down here like um the way that police interact with um with trans maori women and the way that like a lot of them will still get arrested and put in like men's prisons and things like that for you know like these people to then say that they're allies or like you know like anything like that it's like no like absolutely fuck off like you know and i mean just in general like i mean i'm always bringing up about how disproportionately incarcerated maori are particularly maori women and it's um you know like i don't think there's any reason to trust the police about anything as a as a maori person but um yeah particularly when it comes to this a great example of um sort of the police saying that they you know love queer people and want to protect queer people was recently in the um gay village here in manchester we had um a gay sex shop get vandalized uh, had its windows broken just basically some chuds on bikes uh came and stopped by and broke the windows with like a big sort of iron pipe um and essentially like you know the it, it's just it's just such a, an unfortunate scenario because here's me this radical queer guy and you know this is this is a shop where i go to get my shit you know i get i get my stuff from this shop uh and i go in there with my friends i go in there with my partners and and this that and the other and it's like i i just don't know what to say to these like cis white gay guys who are desperately saying we need more police we need more police looking after our village there is a sign there is a sign and you can google this um you could probably google this for um everywhere in 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 the world um it will say if you if you google manchester uk gay village cctv and it will come up with this sign that we have in the gay village where it says um you're in manchester's gay village smile you're on cctv so this pervasive <laughs> panopticon sort of statement right there saying like you're being watched you know you can you can do your weird little sex parties your little your little silly queers you but uh, you're being watched you better you better watch it um you know they kind of say that this is because oh we're protecting the queer community you know we're we're 
we're here to look after the queer community. We want we want to be looking after them. But when this, this is the, when the this Christopher Nolan brain, like, oh, the only <laughs> way that Batman can can save the day is with mass surveillance. We it need, all goes back we to need Nolan. These tools. It's okay because <laughs> everything we're doing, is Nolan. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's okay when we do it because we are protecting the queer community. Yeah. You know, like that's the that's it, right? Yeah. So anyway, yeah, this this thing happened where these chuds broke the window and these cis white queers were like desperate for more uh, police protection. Now, the I was saying, along with lots of other people on social media, the police are not going to save us. Um, what needs to happen is a, you know, systemic upheaval of the media that makes people like this hate us. And we need to protect ourselves. We need queer people to be aware of this stuff going on. And we need to organize and make sure that we have a resistance to this. Because that's the only way that we've protected ourselves for years and years and years. That's the only way that we're ever going to protect protect, uh, protect ourselves. Um, now, the police put a squad car outside this sex shop. Um, and I, I walk past this squad car, well, squad car every day for a good few weeks and there was no one in it and there were no police around it. So what they did <laughs> was the absolute bare minimum. And of course, when these chuds came to smash this sex shop's window again, they went, Oh, there's a cop car. Oh, there's no one in it. Brilliant. And they smashed up the fucking windows again. So, you know, it's just, it's so obvious that the police don't, um, you know, uh, uh, protect us in, in any way, shape or form, you know, no matter where you are in the world, if you're in Aotearoa, if you're in the US, if you're in the UK, if you're all over the world, a cab. Um, so yeah, I guess like, yeah, fundamentally, I think that I think that it's important to identify the pink washing of institutions um, first and foremost, because of course, like the military industrial complex, the military, um, you know, uh, and of course, like healthcare as well. Like, you know, we've, we've spoken about the police healthcare as well. Like the NHS is, is very big. Of course, the NHS has like a pride float, uh, and all this stuff. And it's like, well, the NHS is very much well known for basically causing the deaths of trans people because they do not process their, um, healthcare and it becomes such a back and forth horrific uh situation scenario where uh trans people are either forced into doing diy um or they don't know that they have those op options available to them and they suffer immensely um so the absolute goal that the nhs would have um you know a, a, a pride flow um really now you know the nhs might do decent stuff for people with hiv and aids um but it was very much not not doing a lot during the HIV and AIDS crisis. So again, like that fundamental response to, you know, did, did the NHS ever apologize to, uh, you know, the queer community for the lack of urgency at which they addressed uh, the HIV AIDS crisis, you know, it, it, and if they did, we, why didn't we hear about it? Did, did, did the queer community get to say, yeah, all right, they get to fucking, you know, they get to march at pride with us. No, we, we, we probably fucking didn't. So why are they? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so like all these institutions are desperately trying to be like, you know, look, it's fine for us to exist. It's fine for us to, um, you know, be a pride because we let queer people uh, apply for jobs with us. Um, how we treat those queer people when they're in jobs with us, you know, specific, specifically the, the, the police, by the way, um, you know, 
the Met Police in London, they were recently found to have been extremely homophobic. Uh, they didn't include transphobia in there because possibly the, the investigation was transphobic, but they, they oh, right, yeah. you know, so there wasn't like, a, oh, it's institutionally transphobic. Um, I, without a shadow of a doubt, they are transphobic. They're, they're certainly queerphobic. Um, so there's even even the fact that they are trying to pinkwash with, which is like, look, there are so many LGBTQ plus, uh, you know, uh, police officers. They still treat them like shit. They still treat them like shit. So there you go. Yeah. Um, well, I actually um, this reminds me. I, I forgot. I just recently watched the um, the late. I think it's the latest season, or maybe the second latest season of American Horror Story, and um, and it's all about like HIV and AIDS, and um, it's like ooh, there's, it's like um, it, it kind of reminded me of that old movie Cruising, but it's um about um you know like this is well there's like the serial killer that's working through the kind of like queer underground in new york and um that's one of the movie. main guys is um you know a policeman investigating it in american horror story it's actually like a queer policeman who is like kind of facing resistance from the inside as well as the outside and stuff and um but the one thing that i um thought was interesting it, it is pretty kind of like all over the place this season like i wouldn't really recommend it unless you really want it you were really into this kind of stuff um but there's like he at the end it's like a lot of it was just like oh yeah and like hiv and aids is like just this really horrific thing by itself and it doesn't necessarily need to be like this like crazy supernatural thing and it's just like all these people that were suffering really terribly and just like ignored and you know all this kind of stuff and it was like pretty pretty horrific but um, yeah, and it's a wild thing thinking like, oh yeah, you know, like it wasn't just that they were ignored. It's just, you know, there was like, like politicians and like famous like Americans and stuff like mocking the victims and, you know, like uh, all kinds of stuff. And it was just like, you know, like, it's like, how do you, how do you come back from that? Especially, you know, from the side of like the government and the side mm-hmm. from like, like health services and all this kind of stuff where it's like, you know, like this was like basically like a queer genocide. Yeah. And it's yeah. just and like, yeah. Yeah. And and I think, it, I think it's important to point out as well that like, so we, me and Tim before the show were talking about Spike Lee um, and um, I was watching a Spike Lee interview where he spoke about HIV and AIDS. Um, and he said, cause Spike Lee's kind of like, he, he says, he says some like interesting conspiracy stuff sometimes, but I think some of it veers onto the like. I think he's just being a bit of a, of a, a an observant guy, um, and he said, "I just think it's um, really interesting that this um, disease came out of nowhere and it's killing all the gays, it's killing all the black people, it's killing all the Latinos." Um, you know whether or not that statement has any kind of uh, you know merit to it. Like I think he was implying that like AIDS was this created disease. Whatever you think it is. AIDS was certainly ignored because those demographics were suffering from it. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, So, yeah, I think that, I think that, you know, bearing that in mind and, and yeah, just like the, the whole institutionalized response to, um, you know, definitely like uh, how, how queer people are treated and stuff. I think that's the most important thing to think about when it's like, uh, you know, identifying pink washing. Yeah, and I think that like those that 
something like you know like what we we're just talking about that like kind of manifests as like a form of class warfare right where it's like it's the ignoring it is a deliberate thing because it kind of you know it targets what they deemed as society's undesirables or whatever which was like you know disproportionately poor queer brown people you know and it's um a very yeah it's um like the this class stratifications in the and who was affected are like very stark you know it's like yeah it's wild um yeah uh, but yeah i think um the next sort of um thing to to, to i guess go down the the pink washing chain is taking a look at um the kind of commodification of queerness in terms of uh you know if we're talking about like um because we have here in the notes uh pinkwashing exploits the power i think we the symbolic power i think we i think we kind of spoke about that a little bit um and the paradoxical nature of pinkwashing uh but also yeah common tactics used in pinkwashing campaigns rainbow theme merch and corporate sponsorships of pride events and limited edition products one of the most interesting ones now i'm not i'm not too big on this because i've never really paid much attention to it even when i realized i was queer i already knew that pink washing was a thing and i never really bought into any of this stuff um my mum bought a, a pair of sneakers once that had like one of these cringe not proper rainbows on and she was, thought she was very progressive for doing that um and i didn't say anything i was like she's trying you know um but like i i just i think that that's like the most exposure i've had to it but like i know that the the skittles thing is like a whole thing right so what skittles do because all year round they're like taste the rainbow like that's their motto right it's like taste the rainbow and then in pride month they're like the the rainbow is the lgbtq communities now for the for pride month and it's like so wait it's not ours the whole year round it's still <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's still yours the whole year round i don't understand what they're trying to do with that but <laughs> <laughs> um okay uh, and they they so they, they have this like um blank packet right it's just like a, a black and white packet um but in theory they should just have it like a completely like or not even a white it should have like a, a see-through packet because like black and white are still colors on the on the flag so it's like what i don't even know what what they're trying to do they're still missing it they're still missing uh the entire message there um and that is of course just to remind people that skills exist because i'm not i'm not being funny yet when's the last time you bought skittles when's the last time you know you 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 were like damn i could really go for some skills i know that there's some skills enjoyers definitely listening to the show and stuff but in terms of like the i don't know like I, i've just I, I i i always just like remember skittles and associate it with like heartburn <laughs> you know like you like, really? like yeah. A, yeah because like you like Maybe yam, too many of them well, you like yam like all the skills together, and you like make the big like skittle um, homunculus in the mouth, and then skittle homunculus, <laughs> and then and then like you know you just eat it all at once, and then it becomes, yeah, it just becomes a a, a fucked up, um, yeah, a fucked up time for your for your for your body, um, but yeah, um, <laughs> I'm just I don't know I I guess I guess my whole thing is like well you know. I guess I do get reminded that Skittles exist when Pride Month comes around because people talk about it, right? Yes, there were people in the Twitch chat saying, Mule, this sounds like a you issue. We're seeing question marks. Okay, I get it. 
yeah but i guess the point i was trying to make is like i say i'm not thinking i'm not thinking of skittles every day of the year um and then every every june it's like oh yeah skittles do that thing you know it's kind of like in the back of my head there you know and they do that because it's like they want to be like hey uh buy our shit it's never then they're never doing it i think this is the real thing that people have to understand about when companies do this they are rarely extremely rarely if ever actually doing things that tangibly help the queer community right and you know if we're thinking about companies like skittles that are owned by like massive uh corporations that are like definitely fucking the planet like a hundred percent yeah someone in the, in the in the twitch chat literally just said they're made by nestle so you know nestle famous for um murdering indigenous people uh all over the world and in, in, in order to extract fucking you know uh, uh, uh profit from from various bits of land and trying to steal water and all that kind of shit yeah so you know this is, this is something to remember. They're, oh they're owned by they're owned by mars i think that we could probably attribute some of those things that skill that nestle does to mars as well um <laughs> nestle are like mars the, suck yeah. you know it's it's one of those like this is this is the overarching thing we are fundamentally a communist show here at red planet i don't know if anyone knew um but corporations bad uh, yeah yeah well i mean i think a good example of the corporation's bad thing is um uh one that i had been down here is um ben and jerry's because so ben and jerry's are like quite well known they're the ice cream company they're quite well known as being like a very vocally progressive company right like they you know have done heaps of kind of like heaps of like um stuff like initiatives over the years going back for a long time um to kind of show support or solidarity with the queer community with um even just like generally progressive social movements everything from like um you know like abortion to like um like uh black lives matter and all this kind of stuff um and they've they've always you know done stuff like that but um it's i think it's impossible as a corporation to exist at that level and ever actually be you know ever be spotless because like even like stuff like they um they stopped selling i think they closed all their franchises in occupied palestine territories and shit like that which is like huge you know you'd be like oh hell yeah but then there was like a, a little while back um like a couple years back there was uh no not even that long ago there was um uh, the new york times did a big expose about companies that are profiting from child labor um particularly migrant child labor and like ben and jerry's was like one of the worst out of all of them it's kind of just like you know like yeah cool well this is you know like even though it does seem that like they the owners of the company like they are pretty vocal and they do you know like have these really progressive views and stuff by having this corporation at this kind of size and stuff and to be as big as it is and to dominate the market in that kind of way it requires a certain level of exploitation right um yeah and i mean even though like they have they have even spoken out about similar things in the past but it's just like well this is you know this is the nature of it you know so um yeah and that's that's capitalism right you know so um even even the even the good ones it's just like okay but by your nature there's 
you know like by your nature you're going to be harming these communities in some way just by virtue of existing at the size and all this kind of stuff Um, exactly exactly and you know when you hear about like a lot of um homophobia queer phobia that comes from the imperial periphery because it's seen as like um an arm of the west like these kinds of corporations doing this stuff is probably like a whole big reason for that right you know what i mean it's like oh the west is constantly bombing the fuck out of us who are these companies that do this bombing oh it's fucking you know uh lockheed martin and they got the, yeah. they got the fucking they got the fucking rainbow socks obviously it's there's good there's gonna there's gonna be a whole heap of other stuff alongside it it's not gonna be entirely that um definitely loads of like queer phobia in the imperial periphery actually comes from col- colonization uh which is a really important thing to to remember especially like looking at uh countries like uh nigeria like and how um uh I, wait was it nigeria i think it was uganda it was uganda like the last indigenous sort of like sovereign ruler of uganda was a bisexual guy he was a bisexual guy he had like multiple concubines of different genders and basically christians came in and they were like this guy he's doing some depraved shit you better you better take him down and worship god you know and uh, yeah that's kind of that's kind of one story it's a familiar story all over all over, the all over colonized world um, right yeah yeah there was i've been seeing a lot of um talk just over the last day or so as well about um uh i can't remember his name but the guy he's um from that band um the 1975 and he they did a concert in malaysia where um malaysia there's a lot of like laws that are basically like you know to repress queer people and as a protest um he kissed his bandmate on the stage whatever and um this was you know like a lot of people internationally are like yes this is a powerful statement or whatever but a lot of queer groups there and um even like people that they had spoken to beforehand and said actually you probably shouldn't do this because we're the ones that are gonna face the kind of like pushback from this you know like this and it's like it's this... a statement of privilege yeah yeah exactly you know it's like this thing he gets to get jump on the plane and like carry on the tour or whatever like that so um yeah it's like this thing where it's like okay cool bro you you know like big up the gays but like you know yeah fuck you if you need protection getting home from the gig you know yeah yeah, yeah. But what are you actually gonna do um Definitely. you know like once you get on that plane what are you yeah what are you what are you doing to um to actually like materially support the community so um exactly exactly yeah yeah which is like it it can be frustrating seeing uh these kind of things happen and it's like i mean obviously he probably means well i don't know anything about the dude whatever but it's just like you know like just engage your brain yeah. talk to the people or like these these people that spoke to you beforehand or whoever like they claim whatever yeah. happened or whatever like that it's like maybe just just take their word for it instead of uh overriding them with your you know like anglo authority or whatever. it's a it's a it's a like it's a mixture of yeah this this immense privilege that comes from living in the imperial core um yeah and just not really thinking about how your actions will affect people in the imperial periphery and and on top of that i would argue that i think 
that pinkwashing will make certain people act like that and think that that is the be all and end all of doing a thing, you know? And I think, I think that kind of a statement as well, like, you know, a, a guy being like, I'm going to make a big queer statement in, in this country and do this. It's going to be me. I'm going to be the one to liberate these, these, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to use the word, but you know what word I want to use, like from, from their awful society of, of anti-queerness. I'm going to liberate them. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be the one to do it. It's, it's, it's mired in individualism, right? It's, it's mired in, um, I guess wanting to be the main character. It's, it's this very neoliberal idea of like, yeah, I'm going to be the one to save these, 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 uh, uh, underdeveloped uh, nations from their, from their awful uh, uh, yeah. home. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the thing, right? Like all these people like talking about like, um, you know, saying like, oh, you know, well, like this, this white guy was just there to protest, um, you know, like the, the, like the shitty homophobic laws that they have and all this kind of stuff. It's like, man, who do you think gave them those shitty homophobic laws? Literally. Like, this is like colonization. This is Literally. Like, you know? So, yeah. so bad. So incredibly bad. Obviously, like, that kind of um, step of colonization was like a phase of capitalist development. And, you know, like what we're seeing now with kind of this like corporate pinkwashing and stuff is obviously just like, you know, it's um it's just it's just more of that it's just more of that good good stuff um from corporations uh, yeah i hope chat is, and the listeners at home are understanding you know the reason for this discussion and the importance of understanding pink washing essentially this um you know it, it, it's a very shallow um you know, thing. It's it's not even remotely affecting the, the queer community in the ways that people think it is. And it all comes down to the fact that, um, you know, the way that things are perceived, the way that things are seen is all a result of the status quo, the people in charge and the ruling class. The ruling class absolutely, you know, control the media and, you know, that can sound very conspiratorial to you, um, but it's it's completely true. You know, uh, I saw an amazing uh, video this uh, weekend. I was actually watching Zakap. Shout out to Zakap's uh, stream when he saw he showed us this. Um, it was a video basically talking about how back in Nixon's presidency there started to be a relationship between the U.S. government and the media, and then lots of different governments picked this up all over the world all over the imperial core and then they started making like concessions and laws that would protect the media and just further the connection between the state and the media and eventually that's why now you have things like fox news you have things like the bbc um you know just basically broadcasting the most conservative opinions all over um the world but i think that the way the the reason i'm talking about that is because the the way that people perceive queer people is not by how many corporations are saying look at us we have a, a, a rainbow flag most cishet people don't even pay attention to that when when they're going around if they do pay attention to it they're doing in that they're doing it in that overly kind of um annoying um i really think i'm the best ally in the world kind of way where they're going <laughs> oh look this is so progressive i love this you know if, if they are doing it they're doing it like that and that is neither helpful nor fun for anyone um, and um yeah the, the way that the way that you know heteronormative uh, society sees 
uh, queer people is dictated to by the things that they're exposed to. So, you know, most very, very positive stories about queer people uh, in media, if they are like films, if they're television series, they're very much like under the radar. You know, they, they are if they're if they're if they're a popular show nine times out of ten they're overtly sexual and that reinforces the stereotype yeah. of queer people are sex objects right mm. um so you know you have to really look at things through the lens of like is this thing portraying queer people as like normal is is it like focusing too hard on them is it being hateful to them etc um and most of the time, the positive queer stories that like there are that they are there, and you can find them if you if you look for them. One particular uh, one that I would shout out is uh, Tangerine, um, really, really, really cool movie. Highly recommend it. It's about uh, 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 black transgender sex workers in LA. Um, it's a it's a really good movie, and even though it's uh, kind of gritty, that is the reality that a lot of uh, you know black trans sex workers live in and uh it's it's an overwhelmingly positive story which results in uh you know solidarity between women and sex workers of of, of all you know backgrounds and stuff highly recommend but i digress um you know if you want to find something like that you got to hear about it on a show called red planet which is a communist weekly roundtable show <laughs> that that is uh you know we we do all right we have a good audience but you know it'd be good if we could reach more people uh, yeah i think it's it's wrong to say that um anyway i guess where i'm going with that is that like that's the actual impact it's nothing it's little to none you might find some companies do things like they donate a bunch of proceeds to the the the, the trevor project or something okay that's tangible that's cool right um and it, it, it's something but could companies do more absolutely corporations of all the power in the world like that's the that's what makes the capitalist world go round. it's it's corporations um so i think uh you um Tim wanted to talk about this gay TM place. Or <laughs> yeah, that was um, yeah, that was probably something we should have talked about earlier when we're talking about like all the ridiculous things that um, you know, like uh, we, we the in. cop we cars and stuff. Uh, so it was um, yeah, there was um, which bank was it again? Um, so during Pride, this was like, and it's happened a couple of years. Um, they, what was that? I think it's ANZ. Yep have made um a gay tm they um uh will take like an atm on the street and they'll just like cover it in like you know like one year it was like sequins and then like another year it's like like rainbow flowers and all this kind of stuff um and you know and it, and it, like it's usually just like i think it's there's usually just one of them and it'll be like you know like downtown or whatever like that and um, so as a statement against it, one year, a group, um, Queers Against Injustice, just um, poured pink paint all over it, like, you know, all over the ATM, like in all the buttons and all the slots and all this kind of stuff. And because they, they put out a statement saying that, like, this is deliberately, like, this is pinkwashing. Um, they, you know, said that they had co-opted gay symbolism for commercial purposes, um, using them to obscure their business practices and treatment of workers. Um, yeah, it's um, so, but the thing is, the media actually put it out and they were like, this is a homophobic attack against the gay TM, you know, like the, 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 the gay bank machine has been 
has been hate crime. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah, and so and they made a statement back to that as well. They said it is disheartening that the representation of our symbolic pinkwashing of the gay TM has been manipulated into an act of hatred and complicity. This misrepresentation reinforces the image of tolerance that ANZ has spent a lot of money marketing to us. And it's like this is the thing, you know, like they point out, like they have marketed their brand of being inclusive to um you know to uh to uh, queer people the queer community in general but um the um so yeah i think um after new zealand did it australia did it as well and there were like some you know protests against it then but um yeah uh this was like at a time where it was still like you know like queer people couldn't get um yeah get mortgages together because it was like you know, like it wasn't recognized as like, uh, you know, like a marriage or anything like that. Um, there was, you know, it was like really hard for trans people to change their names on their accounts and all this kind of stuff. Um, but it was like definitely, um, championed by like the very, like what we were talking about earlier, like the white cis gay kind of people who are, you know, like, and they're like, they're invested in um, the worldview of the kind of like, like things are better and banks like ANZ have made it better for us and all this kind of shit like that. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it is, it is pretty funny. The, um, the liberal response to it was like, you know, like there was a statement where is it? It's like um, this cleanup, like the adversity we all face is only going to make us stronger. <laughs> all this shit where it's like cleaning up the 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 painted atm was gonna you know like teach us the true meaning of friendship or something (laughs) it's just like man like okay well what about like you know like um you know like cleaning up like you know all the fucking the the bullshit you know like we want to clean up the actual banks themselves you know like that will that would make our communities like materially stronger um but yeah, no, it was um yeah, seeing it brand. I just I just I just love just like... I just love the fucking story. Like the, the gay TM has been hate crimed. I think that's the funniest shit I've ever fucking heard in my entire life. Yeah, it's oh, fucking God. wild. So I think it's important that we tell chatters exactly in in sort of like the last uh, bit of the bit of the discussion here. Um in actual ways that you can support the queer community. <laughs> <laughs> you know um because i think you know we will have uh, a proportion of uh filthy cis hetero normative people watching us unfortunately um but that is such as the way of life um and uh, if you are looking for uh, an, an actual way to support uh queer people there are many many ways that you could do that you know you could um join a trans mutual aid uh network and you know help trans people uh get access to things that they need that they may not be able to get themselves um you could be a what is it i've heard this called um it's called something different and i can't remember what it is i think it's called like an advocate but you would escort a trans person to like a, a, a an appointment like a health appointment or something 
you could, of course, join the mutual aid fund and, and donate money every month, building up uh, a fund where you would explicitly not be a part of that, but you would donate to that. And, you know, you could donate old clothes, you could donate, um, you know, old um, bits of makeup or whatever it is, um, all kinds of things uh, are possible. Um, and in terms of um, other things that you could do, I think just it's it's about when I listen to like trans people, when I listen to like, uh, you know, the, the, the shit that they go through and, and overwhelmingly um, trans people want you know, cis people, so not even just like cishet people, but even cisgender queers to like have conversations with cisgender friends um, and just explain to them that, you know, there is no uh, conspiracy to, to groom kids and there is no conspiracy to, uh, you know, destroy the family unit and stuff like that. It's about It's about having these conversations and making sure that, you know, people really understand that trans people are not a threat um and um also i think another thing to talk about recently is because i think um finally conservatives and re republicans um shat the bed uh, on uh finally getting mad that ace people exist as well this is like a, a huge thing like they're so mad that a asexual people exist and you know so what's kind of funny about that is that they're sort of still going with like the grooming children argument with this that you're grooming my child to be asexual and it's like, okay, <laughs> so, uh, but obviously they don't, they don't understand. They, they, they completely don't understand uh, what asexuality is and, and, you know, they have no idea, um, you know, what that kind of, uh, is, is related to, but anyway, um, yeah, I think, I think you gotta, you gotta listen to queer people. You gotta listen to, to black queer people. You gotta listen to people of color as well, because, you know, white queers are not the only, queers in the world and, and a lot of white queer people get shit um pretty wrong uh you know and and you got to make sure that it's it's a completely um you know a broad analysis like i think the thing is to remind our listeners all the time is that this stuff isn't easy if this stuff was easy the whole world would be communist right it would that would be it right you unfortunately have to listen to a lot of people and make an analysis and go with what you think is right like that that that's that's all we can really ask you to do we're we're, we're kind of telling you what we think is right and what we believe to be right and and you know we've done the analysis it's part of our jobs we're leftist content creators we're activists you know that this is this is our opinion but you have to like take in you know a, a bunch of different opinions and you know dare i say it even some opinions you don't agree with because those opinions could end up being the correct ones right if you're if you find yourself having a conversation that seems to be challenging if you're listening to something that sounds challenging to you maybe it's worth listening to and maybe it's worth going mm, okay may i didn't think of it from that point of view and it's about i think broadly speaking assessing harm it's like i said before like if it, you know, an indigenous queer person, like an indigenous queer woman, um, you know, disrupting a, a, a pride parade. Ask yourself what harm is there in that, right? And then ask yourself, well, what harm is there in claiming that all transgender people are groomers, right? It's pretty obvious. It's pretty fucking obvious, right? So learn to sort of measure the harm learn to measure the benefit as well i guess because you know we've spoken a lot in in this discussion today about how these um the the, the these i guess just uh platitudes of 
uh, oh, we're accepting and oh, we're inclusive and oh, we've got a rainbow on our cop car, you know, how they just do not do anything beneficial for the queer community. Um, and if they do, it's it's something very, very small, like a, like a you know, a one-off donation to the Trevor Project or maybe a, a, a donation to Stonewall or, you know, this, this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so think about that. Do some thinking, do some learning, um, you know, read some queer literature, I guess. I can't recommend any. Um, maybe the transgender issue. Um, it doesn't really. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I think reading the transgender issue would be a really good recommendation uh, for, 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 for cis people if they want to learn more about trans stuff. It's written by a trans woman called Sean Fay. Uh, she's really cool. Uh, check that out. And I'm trying to think of uh, of anything else, but nothing. It's a shame Sophie isn't here. She'd have loads more books. Um, yeah, she's always remember. got the books. She's always got the books. So they I'm always sure talk about Soph. Soph's got the books. <laughs> she's got the books. Um, I'm sure she'll give us some books next week. Yeah. Um, so we are into the uh, question. It's question time. I'll read the first question. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yucca Mountain Johnny says, does the U.S. Democratic Party practice pinkwashing as a political strategy or do they offer legitimate, though limited, advocacy for the LGBT plus minority in their coalition? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, the only reason I'm laughing (laughs) is because it's a very obvious answer to me. Um, It's it's look, you know, the this this is it's a really good question, to be honest, because if you are brought up in the US of A and you think that the only way to do things is, you know, voting one way or the other, then unfortunately you have been lied to. You have got it wrong. That's not how we do anything. It's not how we achieve anything. Um, the, the, the Democrats may make strides. Sorry, I shouldn't say strides. Tiptoes towards queer liberation. Um, but they are literally tiptoes and and uh, it's like like with the corporates it's a it's a response to the market you know like they will make concessions when they're forced to make concessions you know um right they're not they're not the vanguard they're not pushing you know well as the as the uh, official american of red planet my opinion yeah i'm this is i'm an american this is mrs wow yeah, you have American friends. You can say can't, stuff now yeah, about yeah. America. Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Yankee number one, USA. <laughs> so my position on this is that um, the Democratic Party is is just an institution. It's a business, right? <clears throat> and businesses need to stay relevant. They need, uh, capitalism in general needs to uh, go through a thing called recuperation, where it sees what people are wanting and it try and it sees the demands that it's, it's being, it's that are being made of it. And instead of just caving and being like, okay, we're not going to be capitalism anymore. It just tries to adapt to those demands and then just continually like evolve with the times to continue being capitalism, but then the cloak itself in different outfits and and say different things in order to, um, you know, disguise what it's actually doing. So the democratic party for me and I, I think many people probably agree with this, but I just like to speak for myself here. Uh, for me, the Democratic Party and liberals in general is just a reaction to the right. They just exist to be we aren't the right, but we're not actually anything substantially different from from what the right is. Like we're not fundamentally different than the right, but we are the right or sorry, we 
excuse me, we are not the right enough that you have to vote for us. And if you don't vote for us, then you won't be getting the little crumb of rights that we're offering you. And so like the Democratic Party to me does not actually represent any sort of legitimate advocacy. Um, however, there are real numbers. There are there is like there is an actual like harm that is reduced. I hate to say I hate to say it, but there is there are actual people whose lives will be bettered by the legislation that the scumbag Democrats will begrudgingly pass in order to continue their continue their their whole act right um i would say that those lives affected are real and i'm never going to say that those aren't that's not happening um but fundamentally this is not an advocacy for queer liberation queer liberation will not happen through a democrat the democratic party or or really voting for any uh party that's representing the united states um it's 100 percent a political strategy as as far as i'm concerned and i think on top of that the Democrats are constantly shaking hands with Republicans behind the scenes. They see them as their colleagues. You know, you, you see it all in like, you know, the House of Representatives, the you know, the Senate and stuff. You, you see all this stuff happening. And, you know, they're constantly talking about reaching across the aisle. Um, at the end of the day, the, these are two sides of the same coin. That's what you have to remember. Like what, what concessions um the 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 democrats will make in the eyes of republicans when the republicans get elected in the next um uh, uh election then they will be conceded once they will be they will be taken back once again they will be uh you know uh put back to the to to, to where they were previously um yeah so you know, the uh the follow-up question uh from young about and johnny in the chat he says uh so consensus is that pink washing is a label that does apply to dems well as far as the red planet team as it stands here agrees um because i'm sure there's a position that could oppose ours but i'm pretty i feel pretty confident that we're on point here that pink washing absolutely thoroughly applies to the democratic party it does because again you know what what is clear queer liberation queer liberation is the freedom for queer people to live um as they are as as themselves with with the health care that they need um without discrimination right that's fundamentally what it is and we do not have that we are not going to have that as far as the democratic party is concerned um so it is absolutely um against queer liberation and it is um fundamentally yeah it's it's pinkwashing you know it's 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 again it's these small concessions mm -hmm. that they know that they can make here's the thing what you what you have to remember is that if we're talking about politicians and and specifically we're talking about the united states right presidents have a lot more power than than what joe biden is saying he has joe biden is constantly saying someone should do something to look after these transgenders jack and it's like bro you could do an executive yeah, it's like order. wow do you know anyone do you know yeah, anyone like, that's perhaps the president of the united states literally like, you know the first thing that fucking donald trump did when he when he got in power was abuse all these like extra powers that the fucking president has which is like i'm gonna do these executive orders that means that like you know uh, uh all my friends all my buddies that i don't talk about in the corporate world they get a bunch of dough you know all this all this kind of stuff and it's like oh wow so like a president can just do that uh crazy huh what 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 the hell um i didn't know so you know that's that's another thing that you have to remember as well like the the kind of like it frustrates me so much when I see Joe Biden talk about anything 
remotely progressive because I know he has the power to do far more than he can. And it's like, he's saying like, Oh, I wish, I wish I could be the big dog. No malarkey. Uh, uh, you know, let's go Brandon, uh, guy that you want me to be, but I just can't, I not, I've not got the power. I'm just a little baby. Oh my yeah. gosh. You know? So it's just, he's just it's a just small bean. He is a little small bean, isn't he? He's yeah, a tiny, yeah. tiny guy. Also, bean. the last thing I want to say about this is, the marketing of the Democratic Party is so pervasive that it might give you the illusion that they are anything remotely left. They are not. Mm, yeah. They are the right. Yeah. There's the right, and then there's the far right. I would never well, yeah, say that the, any yeah. group in power that is on the right is actually doing legitimate advocacy for queer liberation. I would never yeah. say that. Yeah, it's like that whole thing where it's like the political spectrum is kind of defined by um by the establishment you know so it's like it's kind of like oh well you're if you're conservative you're a republican and if you're opposed to any of that stuff then there's the democrats and that's it you know and it's like the liberal kind of like you know view is like that's the whole spectrum you know whereas Mm -hmm. obviously there's things far to the left of that or whatever but you're never gonna tell you that in the, the on the tv or in the newspapers you know so it's kind of like it funnels people like there's a lot of people talk about this. A lot of American um, radical thinkers have talked about the way that the establishment politics funnels radical energy away from actual true kind of like, you know, radical leftist positions into the democratic party and, um, and uses up these people, you know, and this is like a, a lot of people were talking about this after Bernie and stuff as well, about how there was like, a lot of like really amazing motivated organizers that kind of like joined the kind of like the campaign and stuff. And then just got fully chewed up by the, you know, by the party, by the system as it was. And then a lot of them just kind of like quit politics. Cause they were like, shit, this sucks. Like I, you know, have had my life ruined over this stuff and we didn't even get there because our own party kind of sold us out, you know? And these are all people that, Otherwise, probably would have like you know gone into organizing in other ways and stuff, but it's just like they were channeled through the pathways that they thought were the only ones that existed into um yeah into these yeah these positions that were ultimately kind of um you know didn't really get where they were gonna go so um yeah, so that's a huge thing as well, I think it's like it relies like the um the establishment requires that kind of new blood and also benefits from defanging people that could got go on to become truly quite radical so i think that's actually really sad actually mm-hmm. i think that's really sad i think it's sad that like you know there are people who are like i'm going to do some activism and that activism to them is door knocking for the democrats like i just couldn't think of anything worse um yeah so anyway um the next question is from sky glittering uh sky glittering says any recommendations for real non-pink wash queer groups uh people can give money to instead of corporations so i know trans mutual aid groups in manchester that's in the uk um this is something that you will have to do like a bit of research into you know this is what red planet is all about and maybe that can be this week's homework you know, maybe that could be this week's homework, like go into your local community. It doesn't have to be physically. It, it it could even be just like research that you do on Google. Nine times out of 10, if you Google 
the the town that you live in or even the state that you live in and you know add the the, the suffix in the search of like you know uh you know mutual aid queer mutual aid group queer activist group you will find something you will you will find something there for you yeah so, and um, just be yeah. um be careful because you know we've talked a little bit on here before and in this episode and in other ones and even just like if we look at like what has happened in london pride recently a lot of people will be like i want to you know support the queer community so i'm just going to donate to pride and then it's like they find out that the pride group that they've been donating to is actually like super shit and like let's turfs march and you know all that kind of shit so um just be careful like i think um pretty much like most places there will be like a really good like there will there will be some kind of like grassroots kind of organization which i would always say prioritize kind of donating to over the bigger ones that you know like are kind of already out there um and they tend to be a little bit more radical you know um although there are some larger kind of more radical groups but um just be really careful with pride stuff in particular because pride can be a brand it can be a it can be a business um yeah so um that that would be yeah i think that's a good thing just um yeah try and look for the smaller ones um and you'll probably be able to find something pretty cool maybe something you can even get involved with directly but um yeah we've got one more question so shafiq mog asks are there edge cases times when a company does representation not pinkwashing what defines the line between support and exploitation i definitely i definitely think there always will be um because that's the nature of things like even with like you know like the ben and jerry stuff it's like there's a lot of times where it's like seems like oh yeah these guys legitimately like do have really progressive views but just by the nature of being a corporation of that size they were also doing really shitty stuff so um yeah you know and like yeah i i think there is a lot of times you know like the concept of the milkshake duck when it's like you see something and you're like yay like this person is really cool whatever and then you find out a minute later that they have a really problematic past or something like that it's kind of like that with um you know with any kind of anytime something blows up like it's like you know a corporation will like put out a big statement or a movie will say something or whatever and then you look into like the people behind it and you're like oh yeah well you know this guy is like you know a weapons manufacturer or <laughs> like the guy that invented drones or something like that also um i think it should be said that no matter how based the people are running the corporation um ultimately queerness is about subverting like white supremacist um white supremacist patriarchal capitalism right queerness is is inherently subversive and to promote capitalism period no matter if you're like the most base people running your business um which is obviously far and away better than say elbit or something um ultimately i'm of the opinion that like any company that is trying to paint itself as like where the good guys when it comes to queer liberation ultimately has blood in his hands, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah so that's a little, maybe a little militant of me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it is. Yeah. It's one of those things, right. Where it's like, um, it's like the nature of the, like the, the wider ecosystem is, is so oppressive that um, like, you know, yeah. It's like, you know, what people say, like there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. That's what that means. It doesn't mean like, 
you know, like there's no ethical consumption, mm-hmm. so why try? It means like the you the, can't be a beast. The shitty stuff, yeah. The, the mm-hmm. shitty stuff is inherent to the system, you know. And we can do as much as as possible to abstain from that. Um, but yeah, it's it's very hard to find, um, uh, yeah, a company that is both legit and is also you know like really at all levels mm-hmm. kind of doing the best they can um, not to mention that necessarily i think pink washing is kind of an issue in the imperial core i want to say i don't know if it's like so much a thing in the imperial periphery yeah it's going like, to depend on which country because that well yeah obviously but yeah. but um, i mean the pink washing that we were talking about today with like i mean i, I whatever even if it occurs in the oh, imperial no, no, periphery no. You're right, because a lot of the, this is something we should point out, a lot of the companies that have these, like, you know, rainbow logos every June and stuff like that, if they're, like, an international corporation and they operate in a company where queer people are not that accepted, you can bet your bottom fucking dollar they don't have that rainbow logo in that Yeah, we've seen this before for, for, I forgot which company, um was like outed for doing this on Twitter where if you look at yeah. their logo in different countries, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. some of them were rainbow, some of them were not rainbow. It's for pretty Prima. much all of them. It's pretty much fucking all of them. Yeah. Now, so that plus the fact that uh, companies in the Imperial core are routinely exploiting the Imperial periphery, which is inherently not queer <laughs> at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, not only because you're perpetuating capitalism on like a really horrific scale but also because there's plenty of queer people in those countries that are now being exploited which is it's not actually queer liberation so yeah um for all these reasons i think that pink washing is something that certain companies do outrageously more than others but i think on some level if a corporation is is posing itself as some sort of if you buy our product this is a step towards queer liberation is inherently if uh this is inherently a lie yeah. yeah, there's someone in the chat saying that they think it was Bethesda that was. <laughs> oh, it was it? Which um, uh, also pointed out Conrad mentioned to us earlier that there was um, uh, there's a, a case recently where there was like a trans member of staff for um Bethesda who transitioned and then got mocked out of all of the systems when their name changed. Um, and so and they were just like, well, just deal with it and just use your old name. And they were like, well that sucks but you know we here at bethesda cannot understand how one would use a computer to change your name in our system can you imagine (laughs) them like and then being like oh yeah and by the way um, i can kind of believe a rainbow branded twitter account and um you know and and post the pride message for us uh, our lone trans employee yeah yeah. so So unbelievably cringe yeah um i think that's um the last I think that's all the questions yeah so let's let's uh um first of all thank you tim for organizing this uh stream uh, all the content and for and for also for mule for your really amazing input um Mm -hmm. i learned a lot about queerness from you so i really appreciate everything you said today it was very very interesting and very educational and i think i speak for everyone that is listening or watching right now um I don't know if we have any homework to assign to our chat whores. That one that we said before, have a little look and see what, um, you know, queer mutual aid groups, yeah, uh, yeah. queer community groups exist in your area. Um, just do a little Google or perhaps the next time you're at an action, um, you know, you can ask around and be like, hey, I'm looking for some like queer advocacy groups. 
Um, and you know what? If one doesn't exist in your area, you know what we're going to say, folks. Start one up. So mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. Um, I love the way yeah. you say Google. 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 Uh, if you want to see more of the hosts and what we do, uh, Tim, why don't you tell people where we can find you? Uh, you can find me here or over on YouTube as Conquest of Dread, or you can um, find me on Twitter and Blue Sky as Dread Conquest. Um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Um, I'm going to be going away for a couple of weeks, though, so you won't find me here. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Just going to Australia. Um, so um, I'll see you all then. Uh, what about you, Mule? Where can we find you? You can also find me on Blue Sky. It's the new cool place to be. Uh, it's DJ Mule. It's just DJ Mule. You'll just find me at DJ Mule. Um, and I'm also on um, Linktree. So linktra.ee forward slash DJ M-U-E-L. You can find my Patreon there, which is the important one. My Twitch. I do Twitch streams uh, Monday to Thursday. I've recently been sick, like I've said, but I'm coming back uh, to Twitch streams this week. So that'll be really, really cool. Uh, come stop on by. We have a fun time. We talk about politics and how aliens are communists. Uh, they definitely are. Don't ask me any questions about that. They definitely exist and they are communists um Kara, what about what ghosts about, what, about what, about ghosts? About, what are they ghosts are real i don't know if they're communists, ghosts are real though. but what are they communists is my question i don't know if they're communists i don't know mm-hmm. I, oh, I can't well. i can't ghosts, ghosts. Ghosts. If you don't know then it no is, one knows it's true it's true i'm the expert on all this stuff um so kira where, where can we find you uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash kira chats uh i also have some scandalous um extracurricular um work that I pursue that you can find links to on my link tree. So linktra.ee slash Kira Chats. Um that's available on my Twitter, by the way, twitter.com slash Kira Chats, which apparently Elon Musk wants to rename to X. Mm-hmm. That's his latest thing. Uh, He's gonna launch it as an as X. And yeah. now instead of tweeting, we're Xing. So that's gonna be great. So find me on the X Twitter site anyways um i'm also on blue sky so blue sky.com slash kira chats here chats everywhere and because i'm I, i'm like an, a major loser i'm like almost always hanging out on discord with my community i don't know why i don't know why i do this but it's discord.gg slash kira chats um hang out there um we have movie nights and all sorts of stuff so it's really fun and last but not least sophie where can we find Sweet sophie, sophie. Sophie, uh, she's all over linktra.ee forward slash Sophie from Mars, patreon.com and uh, Sophie from Mars, all one word, obviously YouTube as well. And twitch.tv is Sophie underscore FRM underscore Mars. And I think that's also true for another of the sites that she's on. But if you just go to the link tree, you will find all of our sweet, beautiful Sophie stuff um all over the internet so thank you so much everybody for watching it's been a cool show thank you for listening it's fingers it's fingers (laughs) no one knows what this is yeah why do we do that (laughs) (laughs) thanks for listening to this episode of red planet if you enjoyed the show leave a five-star review on apple podcasts and tell your comrades about it find more on the show including where to watch live at redplanetshow.com Follow us on Twitter and TikTok at red underscore planet underscore TV. And there's even more at our Patreon, patreon.com slash red underscore planet. 
Our music is by Jasper Byrne. Red Planet is produced by Conrad Zimmerman in association with Mercenary Creative. See you next week.